0: This episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra is brought to you by the good shit. You don't want the bad shit. You never want the bad shit.
1: everybody, and welcome to the third episode of Infinite Campus Ultra. I'm Daniel Fiorio.
0: And I'm Michael Lane.
1: And this week's episode, we're going to be doing our mid-year list special. We're going to be talking about our top five favorite albums, top five favorite films of 2019 so far.
0: Yeah, and I'm also going to do a little interlude at the at the middle of the, the episode with my favorite uh, top five video games of the year. And I think this is just a good way for us to get some exposure on some of the Some of our favorite video games, movies, albums, you know, all the good stuff that we talk about, um, you know, a good way to talk about some of the stuff from the beginning of the year that we weren't able to talk about before because, well, we didn't have a podcast before.
1: Exactly. Catch everybody up on what we've been, our thoughts and feelings about what we think are the best of the best of 2019 so far. And I'm excited to hear you talking about video games for the first time on this show. That it's a nice s- little step foot forward and covering that.
0: Right, yeah, we haven't talked anything about video games yet, so uh, yeah, stick around, and I hope you guys enjoy our little list here.
1: It's gonna be a good one. Hello, everybody. We are coming to you from... The illustrious Infinite Canvas Studios based <laughs> out of Chicago, Illinois. Hope everybody's doing well. Michael, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Dan. How are you? I'm fantastic. I'm ex- incredibly excited for this episode. Though yeah. it's been, you know, just a favorite thing of mine to every year list out my favorite albums, doing for the first time, listing out my favorite films of the year, which is something completely different for me, so I'm excited to do that.
0: Yeah, and I'm also excited to do uh, some talking about video games.
1: It's we haven't be been awesome. able to talk
0: any about video games yet, so... Um.
1: It's coming in the near future. We'll have, like, a fully, you know, video game oh, yeah. type episode or kind of have a video game headline and episode right. in, in the future, but I think before we get into talking about our favorite, you know, albums and movies and video games this year, do you have any disappointments from this year? Was there any piece of, of art that just completely was like, wow... Uh, this was not what I was expecting at all or just outright terrible. I got a few things in mind.
0: Yeah, I I actually have a couple. Um, I guess I went into this year expecting a lot from a lot of my favorite filmmakers mm-hmm. uh, as well as some mi- musicians that I really enjoy. But um, my biggest disappointment, I think, um, has to be us, actually.
1: No, when saying big, it's like the biggest disappointment out of anything, or is there anything that could top that for you? I
0: really don't think there's a a single piece of media that could be more disappointing than the time I had with us. My goodness, and... <laughs> why so
1: much disappointment?
0: Um, you know, I I, mean, I know I saw it with you, but right? Why so much disappointment? <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm such a huge fan of uh, Jordan Peele, and you know. Um, get out is one of my favorite movies of all time i think Mm. Uh, it's a movie that i've seen probably half a dozen times at least and i've actually uh you know written extensively on it in the past and i've presented on the film in the past and
1: absolutely uh,
0: get out is just you know from top to bottom just such a a hard-hitting and you know just masterful work and i think us just kind of for me was a big step back for peel sure and um as much as i enjoyed it enough the first time i saw it um i just didn't have the impact as get out did for me um, it's definitely, it's not, it's by far not the worst film I've seen this year. Nothing could probably top X-Men Dark Phoenix. Ooh, um,
1: yeah, we're going to, I, I'm I so glad you brought that up just now because I legitimately forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, that's a
0: very <laughs> forgettable movie. It's not necessarily a disappointment, Dark Phoenix, I think, because everyone kind of thought it would be bad. Exactly. Um, but everything,
1: go on, everything going on with the Fox Disney acquisition, right. it was kind of inevitable that that movie was doomed. Yeah. And... Boy howdy was a doomed. That was ridiculously bad. <laughs>
0: Very bad film. Uh glad to talk a, a little bit about that one.
1: Absolutely. Let's
0: leave that one in the past where it belongs. Um yeah, getting back to us, I think, you know, I saw it the second time, uh, you know, probably a week after it came out and a week after I, I saw it the first time and it just again, I was trying to look for a deeper meaning, a deeper value to it, um, which is something that I can find with get out every time I watch it you know um, I can see the themes and I can you know pick out new things that I didn't see last time and and you know just every time be totally struck by by how much was how much effort was put into that film. Uh, but with us, I you know especially the second time over it just, nothing clicked, you know, like, even lesser clicked for me, and it's just not a good enough, you know, fun horror movie, I think. Okay. Um, and if it doesn't have the thematic value I was expecting from a Jordan Peele follow-up to Get Out, I... Yeah, I just... It's, like, okay movie, but for me, you know, coming as someone who thinks Get Out is one of the best movies, at least of this century, um... Get Out's okay, and that's a huge disappointment for me. Or uh, Us is okay, and that's a huge disappointment for me.
1: I gotcha. I'm gonna kind of keep my thoughts reserved on that, because this may or may not be a spoiler, but uh, Us might land somewhere on my yeah. top five favorite films of the year, and I'll kind of elaborate more on that later in the show. But, but uh, um, what's your
0: biggest disappointment of the year, Dan?
1: I, I can't help but automatically turn into one movie because... I haven't had this happen, I think, ever, where I have walked out of a film early. Uh, I know and it's coming. <laughs> that award goes to the new Hellboy. Holy yeah. God! It, it that movie is a train wreck. It's absolutely awful. It's, I mean, it was riddled and plagued with a lot of, you know, onset problems and disagreements and. What have you, and it just shows. It's it's amazing just how sloppy and mm. fucking terrible that movie is, and just annoying. I mean, yeah, the script is terrible. What David Harbor is given with the work, given to work with as Hellboy is just god awful. It's basically <laughs> just Hellboy complaining about his dad for you know, the entire runtime of that movie I'm right. going to guess like 2 hours I can't really remember.
0: <laughs> I mean, you didn't watch the, I whole, mean, I didn't thing, watch right? the whole thing. Um, so. I didn't actually end up seeing that one, but to me it seemed kind of like a if Deadpool was Hellboy kind Pretty of situation. Much.
1: Lots of lowbrow humor, right. lots of just cheap gags and jokes, and Hellboy saying dumb shit, which, yeah. if, I mean, I recently rewatched the Guillermo del Toro films, and those just hold up incredibly well, they're right. wonderful, wonderful films, they really take a character that really wasn't known by too, too many people mm-hmm. at that time, hell, even now, I mean, like, I think Hellboy is kind of a sort of cult, character and the landscape of how you know everything is so mainstream and huge with superheroes and comic book characters hellboy is kind of one that is a little bit swept under the rug and not really acknowledged that much and those movies really set to create those characters it's almost done in this kind of folk hero-esque Style, which is just so charming. Not to mention that movie looks absolutely beautiful. If you were to tell me,
0: you're talking to Guillermo. the Guillermo,
1: oh, absolutely. Okay. If, that that that's funny you bring that up because just going into Hellboy 2019, if you were to sit me down and say one movie is from 2019, one is from 2004, right? I would automatically say that the 2019 Hellboy was from 2004. <laughs> that is how cheap and uh. just shitty this thing looks in yeah. a visual standpoint. It's it's just terrible. I can't even really remember much of like what the story is about in that film other than just, you know, Hellboy arguing with his father and there is this demon woman who is trying to take over the world. I'm sure there's a Hellboy fan who can tell me, oh, that's actually a really well-established character and blah, blah, blah. But it totally just kind of went over my head. I mean... I feel like that's kind of the majority of the people who actually appreciated this new version of the character, this new like film. The deep,
0: deep fans.
1: Yeah, and I mean, there are things, and there's like certain things from a little bit of Hellboy that I've read that I appreciate, and characters that are introduced into it and brought up, and I thought, oh, that was really neat, but I mean, just as a whole... Doesn't have the charm
0: as, as the old ones, right? Not
1: at all. Not even remotely close. Yeah. I wish we could have just got that third... El Toro film with yeah. Rob Perlman, who is frankly an actor who was born to play that role. Right. I mean as it mu- was it was just it was awful. Yeah. It was a train wreck. As much
0: as you're hoping for a Spider-Man four with Sam Raimi directing, I'm I'm kinda hoping for exactly. that Hellboy Three with Guillermo.
1: Another um, thing I'm glad but... you brought up, I would say a, a second disappointment for me this year was the whole Marvel promotional stunt of leading so many people to believe that Spider-Man Four <laughs> would see the light of day in the form of right. a comic book, and it's just and then it
0: uh, was a JJ Abrams, JJ Abrams and his son writing a, yeah. um,
1: I think four-part mini S- Spider-Man miniseries, yeah. which. Who cares? I don't care about that. <laughs> That's not what you Who you're actually likes J.J. Abrams? Like, seriously.
0: These days, yeah, I feel like whenever any any movie gets attached with J.J. Abrams, I'm just kind of like, my eyes glaze over.
1: Exactly. <laughs> like, he's just kind of a franchise guy. You just throw him onto something and he makes it... He's fine. ...very lukewarm. Be like, like a... Yeah, right.
0: Yeah, would be like an okay movie you're expecting. Like that new Star Wars. I'm just kind of like, eh.
1: Exactly. <laughs> I mean, I'm personally not hugely invested in Star Wars, uh, but, I mean, I enjoy Star Wars quite a bit, but right. I'm not expecting this to... Blow your socks you know, off Exactly. Or exactly. Well, Unpopular yeah. opinion. Not to the level that Last Jedi did, because I really like Ryan Johnson, and I thought he did a phenomenal job with that. I totally agree. <laughs> send uh, your hate mail at <laughs> infinitecanvasalt at gmail.com.
0: <laughs> yeah, if you're a big Star Wars fan, please send us hate mail. Exactly. Um, so, do you want to move right into favorite albums, or
1: do you have any more disappointments, or um, that's a good sign? If not, I mean, it's, it seems I, like it's I'm been sure a there's more positive year for you. I,
0: I guess you know I can maybe start a little bit of my video game uh, discussion here with um, Wolfenstein Youngblood. Uh, oh yeah, which definitely. Just, which we, just... we were
1: talking about that off the air a couple of weeks right. ago. You should. You definitely gotta bring that up Yeah. before we get I, into the good games. Right. You gotta bring up the disappointments.
0: I Wolfenstein Youngblood is the technically the fourth, I suppose, in the new rebooted series of Wolfenstein games that started with um, 2014's The New Order, um, and the Wolfenstein series, uh, which has been going, you know, it's been a video game series since like what 1992 or something like. It's one of sure. the longest running franchises. And um, these new games have been so great. And just you know, in terms of uh, gameplay, they've been they've been pretty solid. You know, heavy hitting shooting and uh, you know good combat spaces. Um, but really, the the story and the characters has really what, been what's drawn me to the Wolfenstein games as much as that's totally ridiculous to say. If you were f- you know from two thousand five and you yeah. told me that you know the new Wolfenstein series was gonna be you know some of the pinnacle of video game writing in 2019 i'd you know
1: it's, that's insane to you me look but. at that person funny right you know like, like not only are you a time <laughs> traveler but you're telling me wolfenstein is <laughs> right. it's gonna be really good the game where what?
0: all you do is you know kill mecha hitler like that's yeah. gonna be you know um, but no, seriously, uh, Wolfenstein, the new order and, and especially Wolfenstein Two, uh, the new Colossus were like stellar video games in terms of story and, and, and writing and character work. And this new one is a, is a co-op game. It's, you know, you can play the entire game in co-op online. Um, and it's a little bit of like kind of pseudo open world stuff, but, um, it just, it, it kind of cut out all of the awesome dialogue and awesome characters that you know from the series uh most of them are gone you now play as uh the main character's daughters bj, Blazkowicz, BJ Blazkowicz's bj blaskowitz's daughters sophie and jess and um they're kind of just i don't just painfully um over jokey you know it's like super hokey and those games have always been that you know it's like alternate timeline nazi germany took over the whole world right um but like here it just doesn't work the characters don't work and the gameplay's fine it's good but um a lot of the mission structure is you going back to the same places over and over and over again and it just drags so hard um i've been playing it with a friend of mine and neither of us have hit each other up to play it in about a week and a half, and it came out a week and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that's any indication, you know, we we maybe got through 25% of the game, and neither of us has really um, taken the initiative to say, hey, let's play this again. And exactly. with a game like that, you know, with a with a co-op game like that, that's super bad. And, yeah, so that's another big disappointment for me. Did you have any more?
1: Um... A couple. There's a few albums that I was thoroughly disappointed with. This is a complaint that will probably only appeal to zero to one listeners of our of our great show. But uh, this one artist I really love, Jessica Pratt, she released an album called Quiet Science this year. Jessica Pratt is a, uh indie folk singer-songwriter. She put out, honestly, one of my favorite albums of all time in uh, 2014. It's this record called On Your Own Love Again. Which, uh, yes, I mean,
0: it's kind of got to be but, kind of in line with my disappointment with us then.
1: Yeah, it's like oh, coming absolutely. off of something like
0: that's one of your favorites of ever.
1: Like, absolutely, that uh, that record is a, a five out of five, ten out of ten in my opinion. It just, I I, I very seldomly hear folk records that just are that. Amazingly written and have the level of replayability in sure. the modern music landscape like that record does, and she has had this new record ready to go and it's beginning all kinds of acclaim, which I feel is just so unfair because this record or previous record was completely slept on. Hmm. I mean, this got a pitchfork, best new music, the new Eddie, one. yeah, any accolade you could think of, and it's this incredibly sparse 28 minute long record that just is like so airy and like doesn't really go anywhere. And like, I hate saying that because I am such a huge fan of her previous work, but an utter disappointment. It's something that I have never really revisited or necessarily want to. Um, So I think that, that definitely on a music standpoint, which is good before we take a short little break and, Get to our top five favorite albums of the year. Oh. I mean, biggest musical disappointment for me. That I can think of. I feel like yeah. there might be something else, but...
0: Well, I'll have to check out that uh, that last record from her, then.
1: Can't recommend it enough. It's just so great. I know, especially because you've been getting into Carrie and Lowell by Superman yeah. Stevens. It's it's not. It's definitely not as... It's not a sad record like that, but just if you're feeling that kind of... Um, Spares, just indie folk style, I think this could definitely be up your alley. Oh. And before we take a little break, um, something I just kind of thought of, is there anything, and also, because I have one in, in mind on the subject of video games, is there anything coming out soon that you think will be a colossal disappointment? Cause in I terms think, of video games? Or just anything. Because anything? what made me think of that is, <laughs> I feel like when we record our year-end list and we have this discussion again, yeah. <laughs> I feel like the uh, Square Enix Avengers game will probably be a huge disappointment. <laughs> well,
0: we'll have to wait till next year for that one, right? Because that's, oh, that's, that's I think
1: Mar. Oh really? I, I thought that was March supposed to come year? out. I thought that was no. supposed to come out in twenty nineteen.
0: No, it's it. I I don't. I believe at, even at E3 they said it was like March or like sometime in spring next year. But I could totally see that one becoming never mind. Um,
1: well, then in 2020, it's going to be on there.
0: Something I can see being a disappointment. I I, I don't know if I have anything uh, that I can really think of. Maybe that J.J. J. Abrams Spider-Man comic. Yeah, I <laughs> but can I guess see I'm that. not I'm not interested in that at all. Anyway, so I can see that um,
1: I'm I'm so mad about the way that that was publicized. I have decided I'm not even going to buy that. Yeah. Fuck that. Yeah. Seriously. Um so yeah, you wanna did you have anything
0: else uh disappointing?
1: Nah, I think I'm good. I think I I've aired enough of my grievances <laughs> for for this year so far. But right. we're gonna take a short little break. We're gonna come back with our top five favorite albums of twenty nineteen so far. Stay tuned. Hello everybody and welcome back to Infinite Canvas Ultra. Um, so we're going to get to the first portion of our double headliner for this show and we're talking about our top five favorite albums of 2019 so far. I'm mm-hmm. incredibly excited to do this because as you all, all are aware this is kind of my my wheelhouse yeah. talking about music. Um, I am predicting that Michael and I's lists will be incredibly different from each other. I don't feel that way about the movies so much.
0: We see most of the same movies together. So that kind of makes the movie list probably pretty similar. (laughs) At least in terms of... Maybe not in terms of what the order is. But the movies that we are including. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas I think... I wouldn't be surprised if there's one or two. One for sure that's going to end up in albums
1: together. Maybe two. Okay. But we'll see. I actually think, um, I think I know that one, and (laughs) I think already it might be a little bit surprising. (laughs) Maybe. Unless there is, unless it is, uh, we'll see. Let's let's just get to it. Okay, yeah. This this is going to be interesting. Also, just so you know, we do not know each other's... Top fives oh yeah. isn't that cute <laughs> we're saving it we're doing for the something show. a little
0: fun yeah we're all
1: gonna be surprised together,
0: but uh first, you wanted to do some shout outs for some honorable mentions right
1: absolutely and uh we're gonna be doing this for films too, and um we have picked five for each, so just to kind of just keep the recommendations going hopefully you know you haven't heard of some of this shit, especially in the music department and yeah it's just more stuff to check out so my honorable mentions first off being Eldo Harding's album Designer Eldo Harding is a experimental indie folk artist her new record Designer absolutely incredible second one for my honorable mentions is going to be Beware of the Dogs by Stella Donnelly very cute really fun indie pop record that I think you would like quite a lot Michael you should definitely check that out as Michael turns as, to as I go to Spotify to look it up what was it again um, Beware of the Dogs by Stella Donnelly. Okay. Um, yeah, just real nice, easy breezy, lo-fi. Beautiful cover girl. Indie pop type stuff. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. that's a tagline. It is. It is. <laughs> the, uh, my third honorable mention is going to go to New York punk band Show Me the Body. Their new album, Dog Whistle. Absolutely incredible. Uh, just ferocious record. Um, just... Honestly, it's the only record of theirs that I really love. A lot of their stuff prior I've never been a big fan of but this one has made me a show me the body convert. Uh Uh, Next one and this is one that I know is going to be on your top five and um, would be one that I wish we had more spaces because I love this record immensely and that is Morbid Stuff (sighs) by Pup. Uh The pop punk band that is maybe the only pop-punk band I really love. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, that's... Same here. Because <laughs> uh, you don't really get many quality pop-punk bands, in my opinion. Again, send your hate mail to you <laughs> old. old at 182
0: <laughs> fans, you can send it right to us. Hit um, us up on Twitter at ICUltrapod.
1: <laughs> yeah, we're going to lose some listeners with that count uh, wow. But... Uh, <laughs> No offense. Like if you if you're a like.
0: Fallout Boy fan out there, we probably deserve
1: to lose you. <laughs> Do we? Do
0: eh, we? Eh, well, whatever.
1: <laughs> but yeah, Morbid Stuff by Pop—the best thing going in pop punk, in my opinion—and one of the best records of 2019, hands down. That band, that band is just ace all around. They have two records before this one. I believe this is their third. They—they yeah. they might have like. Extra uh, stuff lying uh, around. Yeah, another early one that I am unaware of at the moment, but all three of their records, absolutely incredible. And then the last honorable mention I want to give to this new UK rapper it goes by the name of Slow Tie, his new album Nothing Great About Britain. Um, very political, amazing rap record from the UK, um, proving that there's a lot of good stuff going on in UK rap and he's definitely kind of at the forefront and just delivering such a great politically charged and just amazing album, not only just in the lyricism but his instrumentals it's its great, I can't recommend that record enough, so again, awesome. in case you missed it, Nothing Great About Britain by Slow Tie, check that out that wraps up my honorable mentions passing it along to Michael for his
0: yeah, so um, first up on my list is actually one that was very close to making my top five, um, and that's uh, Anderson Pack's Ventura. Great album. Uh, it's a very, you know, very easy listening. He's back, you know, Anderson Pack, who's a um, California-based uh, singer-slash-rapper, very soul-centric music. Um, he actually just had an album last year, Oxnard. Um, this one, Ventura, came out maybe six months after. Mm-hmm. Um, and Oxnard, which I was... A little disappointed on based off of my uh huge love for his second record uh malibu uh but i think ventura is a, a good step in the right direction it's a it's a like i said it's a it's an easy list and it's very smooth and soulful um features a great nate dog uh sample
1: um Absolutely. actually like posthumous a, too yeah the one that would
0: had never even been really it's not even really a sample it's like taken from the the archives i guess that's incredibly
1: Um, respectful because andy pack is a very respectful man yeah
0: Um, love anderson pack i love that album Um, next up i have jamila woods's legacy legacy great choice Um, chicago-based uh singer slash poet you know songwriter um again it's it's an r&b record uh very um you know it's kind of like it mixes some styles very kind of Classical R you know, classic R and B with um you know, some new age sensibilities. I think um, you know, she speaks to some really great uh topics in it and, and um I think that album just from front to back is, is is just really, really honestly
1: really great. It's amazing. Um probably the in my opinion, second best Neo soul record of the year. Well,
0: well maybe are we hearing about the thir- the first one?
1: It's in my top five, right. yeah
0: um It'll yeah. come
1: as no surprise to anybody that knows me really well <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah uh
0: jamila Woods' is legacy legacy is another one to check out um next up i have lizzo's because i love you um if you're alive in 2019 you've probably heard lizzo this year absolutely right. um so you know that's one whereas maybe jamila woods is a little bit more of an underground artist uh, not very well known i'm sure everyone knows lizzo and if you know lizzo and um, how could you not like her? You've probably listened to this album. Um, just super fun, front to back, has you know, it jumps around from different uh genres. You know, she kind of uh does a little rapping here and there. There's the really fun uh tempo track with uh Missy Elliott, um as well as Juice is a super great, um almost very uh like Prince inspired I, I would say. Like it, it almost sounds like it could have been off that Janelle Monet record from right. last year. Um, so I think because I love you is a really great one.
1: Uh, big shout out to Lizzo, also probably the like biggest breakthrough in music. Oh yeah, of yeah, uh, Yeah, right. I, I can't guess
0: think. I can't think
1: of anybody. Billie else. Eilish was
0: last year, right? That's I true. I don't know. If, like she had her her album this year, but she was kind of like really big great last point. year too,
1: right? I feel like she probably has had. Kind of the biggest amount of star power, and that definitely kicked in this year. Yeah, but still, but Lizzo Lizzo's had a lot of impact, everywhere, especially because it's well deserved. Same to Billie Eilish. Yeah,
0: um, it's funny because I had a friend, or I have a friend who has loved Lizzo since like 2015, 2016. and like seeing her response to all of this, all of her stardom now, it's it's really fun. She, you know, she loves it. Obviously, um, it's always fun to see an artist you know, actually grow to a big length. Definitely. Um, Especially
1: someone that's been in the industry for as long as she has. I mean, yeah. granted, it's probably been under, definitely under 10 years, maybe more in yeah. like the five to six range. But still, I mean, for somebody that's getting so much props now, like right now, within the last couple of months, it is kind of amazing that yeah. it's taken a little bit of time like and that. She, she totally deserves it.
0: Uh, really great artist, really great performer, it seems like. I love seeing the the videos of her playing the flute.
1: It's great. <laughs>
0: it's insane. Um next up on my list I have Denzel Curry's uh new album Zoo.
1: Ooh, finishing um, Zell.
0: Yeah, right. Honestly. Um I don't think this album's as uh as great as his previous record Taboo. Mm-hmm. Um it's it's a shorter album. It doesn't I I would say it doesn't have like as many, you know, t- I mean, it, it's all bangers on on Zoo, but like, I, I guess maybe some of like his, I think his pinnacle of work is on Taboo. Um, but I still love, you know, what he's doing with Zoo. I'm very excited to see what Denzel Curry has up next. Hopefully um, he has something coming down the line again soon.
1: I, I feel like next year. He's also yeah, had a habit. It's pretty prolific. If you follow his discography, he's kind of had a habit of doing a main album like taboo would be the main course and then he has kind of a smaller project right after so i feel i feel that whatever he has next it's probably gonna drop next summer Sure, awesome i'm all for (laughs) it i'm a huge huge gentle curry fan
0: and also building off of that billy eilish um you know momentum with his yeah. tour he toured with her.
1: I'm so happy for him. Yeah. I really hope that he caught a lot of ears on that tour.
0: Oh, I'm sure he did. Um and finally <laughs> on my list is actually uh one that came out very recently. It's YBN Cordae's The Lost Boy. Um this is a record I don't even really know too much about YBN Corday. Um he kinda came out of nowhere for me. I know he was like an XXL mag. Uh, freshman a year or two ago or something yeah i
1: think that was last year's list um
0: and i you know i'd caught him there and i maybe had heard like a song from him before but this new one
1: uh actually i don't think about it i'm pretty certain he's on this year's list oh really yeah uh
0: that might make sense um but i know he had like a mixtape last year um but this is his first studio album uh, called the lost boy and uh, me and dan were actually talking about it right before we started recording and he said he's, you know, and I, I totally agree with this, where he's kind of um, taking a lot of notes from Kendrick Lamar, and, yep. and, and he's, he's kind of in that, that kind of realm of rap, uh, you know, very lyrical, and, uh, you know, he's not at the point of Kendrick Lamar, for sure, but um, his production and everything um, on The Lost Boy, it's, it's been one that's been keep, keeping me coming back uh, these last few weeks. Um, it's a great
1: it's a it, great record it's a really
0: great record and it has a lot of really good features as well
1: absolutely um, you
0: know so that's uh that would mean be my top or well those would be my five honorable mentions but absolutely let's get into our actual top five getting,
1: getting into the main chorus here yeah so uh you're up first right <laughs> let's do it so my fifth choice uh fifth favorite album of twenty nineteen so far goes to reward by Kate LeBond. Uh, the Welsh singer-songwriter who I have been a gigantic fan of ever since her uh, 2013 album Mug Museum. Um, She is just incredible. She's killing it on every front. Think of... uh, If I were to, like, describe her to somebody who's never heard of her before, think of St. Vincent's even weirder younger sister. (laughs) (laughs) Even
0: weirder? Yes. Wow. Okay.
1: Uh, Very indebted stylistically to, like, a lot of sort of more mid 60s early 70s kind of styles of underground rock think of like maybe the velvet underground but through a lens of
0: less david byrne and more velvet underground more new read yeah okay.
1: um more nico um just yeah very artful indie rock indie pop that is she's just crushing it this album is absolutely incredible um it's some of the most just it's one of the most diverse records in her catalog and just really showcases every facet of what makes her such an incredible singer-songwriter and just a lot on display within the, I want to say, like 10 or 11 tracks on it. It's such a concise, just airtight record with... So many great tracks on it. I also could see you probably liking this one quite a bit Hmm. Um, Especially if not the album as a whole I definitely think the singles from it I think you'll kind of connect with because it's just really great art pop and a just phenomenal record from somebody who has Never put out a bad album ever in my opinion, and it's it's so good to see her She's been kind of getting a lot more attention with this release um and it's just, it's so well-deserved. I can't find her on Spotify. Oh, and, uh, <laughs> her name is spelled C-A-T-E. C-A-T-E, And then it's okay. space L-E-B-O-N, bon yeah. Le Bon, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I'll Reward by Kate Le Bon. Phenomenal, phenomenal album. Um, I don't know if I'd say it's my favorite by her, favorite in her discography. I think that might go to uh, the album that I mentioned that I discovered her with, Mug Museum. Or the one after that, Crab Day, C-R-A-B. <laughs> crab not, Day. Not Crap, like I've <laughs> said that to some people and they say, Crapped it. Day? No, Crab Day, like the crustacean. Uh,
0: like you're going to Joe's Crab Shack. <laughs> like you're
1: going to Joe's Crab Shack. Uh, those two records are great, but honestly, I, I feel like the more that I chew this one over, I could very well see this becoming my my favorite, but hey, it's in my fifth spot for Favorite Elm of the Year so far, yeah. so... That's nothing to sneeze really at. Really
0: respectable spot to be at for sure.
1: Hundred percent. So what's yours, Michael?
0: Uh, so my fifth pick, and um, this was a tough one. Like I said, Anderson Pack might have made it. Actually, that Jamila Woods record was maybe going to be my fifth. Um, but I'm gonna give it to my boys. Um, My boy's Vampire Weekend.
1: Big us Vampire Weekend. Um, Great record. God,
0: what was it? Six years in the making? Um, And Mm -hmm. Vampire Weekend finally comes out with their new album, Father of the Bride. We
1: we were in high school the last time Vampire Weekend put out an
0: album. I had not graduated (laughs) high school yet the last time that Vampire
1: Weekend. (laughs) I think I was a junior.
0: No, you had, oh, no to, that you had to have actually, been a senior because I, I would have been a junior. That was 2013, 2013. Was the year I graduated, yeah. yeah so so I was, you would have I was been graduating. graduating. I'm still, I was still a 17 year old or 16 year old, but um, finally we get my first adulthood Vampire Weekend album. Yep. And, you know, love them or hate them, Vampire Weekend has been a, a staple in the indie music genre for the last decade. Absolutely. Um, They've just been honestly to me they've been killing it. Um they've actually for me they were on a actually kind of an incline uh with Modern Vampires of Their City, which was their uh third record. And I don't think Father of the Bride is nearly as good as that one. I would say it's probably actually my least favorite of their discography. Um but even yeah. still, you know, with a band as much, you know, that I love as much as Vampire Weekend, even if it's their lowest record, like, this is still a stellar record to me. Absolutely. Um, it's a double album. It's a little long. I, I Me and Dan had talked about it before where we both kind of came to the consensus that maybe the last, like, three tracks could probably be cut from it. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, the the singles from this album, Harmony Hall, is one of the best tracks of the year. That guitar lick is, is just... Can't get it out of your head.
1: Absolutely. Um, Sunflower. Sunflower it's is really my fun. personal favorite. Yeah,
0: Sunflower is really fun. I really love This Life. I think that's like a really great kind of throwback 60s pop song. You know, very fun.
1: Absolutely. Um, also kind of sounds like something that could have been on Contra or maybe the first album. Sure.
0: Yeah. Um, I Yeah, I think this album really goes some good places for them. It's kind of... Um, sort of country-esque in a couple songs which is
1: crazy because that's just something that i never ever would have imagined um vampire weekend to ever do but they pull it off incredibly well
0: especially because the more country-centric uh tracks are all kind of duetted with um haim Mm
1: -hmm. um
0: i guess it's it's the uh lead singer of haim who i'm Danielle, Danielle Heim, Heim. actually, yeah. Um, so yeah, the you know having her on those tracks is really a lot of fun. Um, yeah, all the singles are great. There's the uh, there's a three song uh, kind of interlude, or I guess not an interlude, but a three song stretch in the middle of the album from "Sympathy," "Sunflower," and "Flower Moon." Uh, which I think is such a stellar trio of songs on that album. It's,
1: it's my favorite segment of the album. Yeah, I think that... Those three tracks, that's that's the biggest high point for yeah. me. I, I
0: think um, as much as it, it isn't my favorite Vampire Weekend album, it's still a Vampire Weekend album. I waited six years for this goddamn Absolutely. shit. And it's a really great record in the end.
1: Absolutely. Um, so yeah,
0: that's my that's my fifth Um Four for you, Dan?
1: Number four, going, as I referenced before, about Jim Woods' Legacy Legacy being my second favorite neo-soul record of the year. My favorite one goes to When I Get Home by Solange, the incredible follow-up album to her huge, massive breakthrough album, A Seat at the Table. This one is... It's very different from A Seat at the Table. This one is more Although
0: the album artwork yeah, is the album basically Arbor. the exact same thing which <laughs> threw me off i thought people were talking about the same album yeah. from three years ago um,
1: basically uh instead of the, the cover to when i get home is just a little bit foggier looking <laughs> and she has some type of like weird shades on her yeah. on her face as opposed to braids in her hair on the on the seat at the table <laughs> album cover but it's it's a completely different record from that i mean um well a seat at the table is much more of just a very internal uh, neo-soul record about just, you know, the struggles of being a black woman in today's modern era and also being a, 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 an artist in today's modern era. And When I Get Home is much more, to quote Solange herself, it's more of a trunk-knocker record. It's it's just fun. But <laughs> yeah. in, not in... The traditional sense because the thing with When I Get Home and something that just I honestly like this album more than A Seat at the Table because it's just it's so strange I mean you have at their core very accessible pop tunes but it's just covered in a experimental airy sheen and veneer that is just so intoxicating about it and it's very obvious that she's pulled cues from another album that I will die on the hill for uh Die Lit by Playboy Cardi (laughs) which is another album that is criminally simple but so just airtight and accessible at its core but it's it's a it's a weird record like it should be accessible it should be something that a lot of people could latch onto because it is an album that at its core has like very tuneful songs but it's it's ultra experimental and done in a way that i can only describe as just sounding like pop music from the future <laughs> it's like it's, there's it's like connecting to virtual reality and you're just in this airy Desolate place that is just so simple but like warm at the same time. Um, the highlights galore on that thing, it's it has just yeah, so I think some of the best songs she's ever written. Stay Flow on this album is probably my favorite song of this year, in all honesty. Wow. And it's it's just so it does so much with so little. Like that track itself is just basically a little plinking keyboard part. Little sparse 808 drum, and then her just doing her thing vocally, and it's incredible. I absolutely love it. She knocked it out of the park. It's definitely, um, I mean, for people who would definitely put a seat at the table over it, I totally understand. A seat at the table is definitely a much more thoughtful record, a much more ambitious, but I think just with how much she does on this album with so little and like the risks she takes and a songwriting stance. I just kind of got to give it to uh, when I get home. It just it sort of more speaks to me as a music listener. It just <laughs> is kind of more more my thing than The Seat at the Table, which is another record, though, that I would give a near-perfect score to, I think. Awesome, She's been man. on an incredible creative role recently, and okay. I look forward to whatever she has coming next.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, so, yeah, for my uh, number four... Uh, I will be moving on to uh moving on from my boys to my girl. Uh <laughs> and I'm gonna give my number four spot to Dedicated by Carly Rae Jepsen.
1: And um Wow, I didn't I didn't know you were uh, I'm honestly kinda of surprised. For some reason I thought you were just sort of like lukewarm on that album.
0: Uh the first time I I guess maybe the first time I listened to it, I was maybe a little um I would say a little disappointed just because, you know, obviously it's coming off no Oof. emotion. It's no emotion <laughs> <laughs> which is maybe the album I've listened to most my entire life, her 2015 album, Emotion. Um, for those who don't know me... Uh, At ca- this
1: point, that's a classic. Oh. I'm just going to let that out there. For
0: those who don't know, Carly Rae Jepsen, the, the woman who wrote and, and uh, performed Call Me Maybe has in the last four years become an indie darling and a like kind of underground pop sensation. Um as much as it it sucks to see her not actually like bloom into this big like Katy Perry or Taylor Swift's you know style giant of pop music. Um Kyler A. making some of the best pop music out there. Um and Emotion was was one of my favorite albums of twenty fifteen and um going back to dedicated a lot, um I think it's a really great follow-up to Emotion. It's not, you know, just like the Vampire Weekend album, it's not her best. It's not better than Emotion. Um, but I think Dedicated is a really, really great album. A lot of fun. You know, the singles from it, including, uh, you know, Now That I Found You and Too Much are just, you know, super simple, super fun. It's kind of her her aesthetic, you know, the 80s kind of resurgence, you know, 1980s pop resurgence. Um, with her, uh, you know, talking about her lost love and, you know, that's kind of a lot of her, her songs, it's a lot of love songs. Um, but in like a different twist where like Carly Rae Jepsen never ends up with love. Like she's always like wanting love, but like actually in in this album, a couple times there are a couple songs where she's like being, um, you know, riskier or like more, like, like more, more risque and, and, um, you know. Like I like want you in my room is a really fun one, um, yeah. So I, I think I think Dedicated is a really great album. Julian the the first track off of it, um, kind of like the first track off of, of Emotion, is probably my favorite off the record, mm-hmm. and one of my favorite songs of the year. Um, I, I think Dedicated is a really great album, a really good follow up, and yeah, Kylie Johnson, awesome.
1: live forever. Glad to see Carly Rae. I mean, I shouldn't have been surprised. I'm no. glad to see her getting representation on your list. Definitely shouldn't have been surprised. <laughs> it's awesome. So my third choice for my mid-year 2019 favorite albums of the year so far list extravaganza <laughs> is Igor by Ty- Tyler, the Creator, mm-hmm. a... Uh, Flower Boy by Tyler, the creator, I think was a just watershed moment for that dude's career. It got me back into him. I went a good amount of years of just kind of shoving him to the side and kind of thinking just his output was bullshit. Right. And just like really not caring at all about what he was doing. And then yeah. when he released Flower Boy and I was seeing the reviews coming out for it and also just hearing the tracks that were coming out in, you know, advertising that album, I was really floored by it, and I was like, wow, he is really maturing in the best possible way, and then I went back and listened to his album previous to that Cherry Bomb, which I think is a grossly underrated album, I think that, that record was kind of, Cherry Bomb was kind of the seeds being planted of him starting to mature, and kind of get more, flower boy become that the is. flower boy, and now he has been
0: it's degraded blooms.
1: to Igor, this yeah. hulking, <laughs> monstrous character that... I I love this album. It's I, This album has unfortunately been getting a lot of backlash for some reason online from people who are just kind of and falling they... back into that camp of thinking, you know, oh, Tyler is like not an artist that should be taken that seriously and blah, blah, blah. And that's just so not the case. He has become somebody that is just making some of the best... Best of the best in you know mainstream popular rap, and the album is undeniable in my opinion. A boy is a gun, um, new magic wand. What's mm-hmm. good? There are so many amazing cuts on there. Absolutely, some of the best material that he's ever produced, and it's it's just great. It's great hearing him still kind of keeping his punky boisterous roots, but also not be afraid to show that Pharrell Williams and Kanye West were obviously very, very, very big influences yes. on him and take the that sound and that influence and create it in his own way, which he did entirely because he wrote, produced this whole thing. Yeah. And it's, it's really impressive. And it's just a record that I think will... Kind of go down as like a modern classic, especially of like the, this era in the 2010s. It's it's a really phenomenal album, and yeah, I, it's just so good to see him staying on the path that he has been and hasn't doesn't seem to really show signs of falling off and kind of reverting back to his sort of less exciting era, which I would say is kind of like his his beginning. It's good right. to see him mature he's like, like grown, up. He's grown up his grown up exactly yeah. and someone that i from will always be excited to hear yeah. what he has coming out next so yeah yeah uh, that's yeah. my third choice um
0: so and that was actually one that i'll i was uh thinking would probably be included on both of our lists so um i guess i'll be talking a little bit more about igor in a, in a minute here yeah. but for uh my number three album of the year
1: that makes me excited that I am believing this is going to be higher on your list than <laughs> I expected. And that's great because, hell yeah. yeah, fucking you or It rule. It's really great. Um,
0: so for number three on my list, uh, I have to go with Violet Street by uh, The Local Natives. Uh, this is a California indie pop rock band. Uh, they've been going for about uh, at least, I want to say their first album's from 2010, um and this is their fourth record um very i don't don't know this this album it just kind of i've been a fan of local natives for years now and i really enjoyed their last album um but violet street to me i think is is for sure their like for sure their best uh up to this point um you know from the the beginning the like, like like the first track vogue which is very um airy and uh the vocalists uh his falsetto you know singing style is very beautiful and the 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 strings that come with that track it's a very you know airy and beautiful sounding track um that leads into one of my favorite um you know hook heavy songs of the year when i'm gonna when am i gonna lose you um and then like something like Megaton Mile, which is which comes in the the midpoint of the album, which is like such a groovy track. Um, I think Violet Street, you know, for me, it's not you know anything extravagant, but it's you know for a pop rock album, it is just straight to the point and and goes some really great places. Has some really great groovy tracks. The instrumentals are really fun, um, and the singer is is you know his voice is is very unique and and he he does a great job and yeah so violet street i think is uh is my number
1: three yeah it's excellent yeah that um i kind of fell off of following local natives after their first record i Mm -hmm. wasn't super impressed with a lot of the material i heard from the records in between but checking out that one it's it's definitely a a bounce back for them right It's, it's a really solid album yeah i think it's really great that's a good choice all right getting into the thick of it now. We've got two more from both of us. My number two choice, and this is somebody that I hope gets more and more attention uh, because he's one of my favorite rappers in all of hip-hop and rap right now, and that is Quelle Chris, for those of you that Mm -hmm. don't know him. And also, for those of you who want to look him up, it's spelled Q-U-E-L-L-E. His new album, Guns, which is... As you'd expect, it's a concept album about gun violence in Mm -hmm. America, which, I hate to say this, it's a record that just grows more and more important in my eyes, just coming off of the shootings that just happened, and at the time of recording this, this, this past weekend, the shootings in El Paso and Dayton happened, and Quillet Chris is somebody who, he's been around probably since 2010, he's based out of Detroit, and... He's just an incredible experimental hip hop artist. He has like a very just zany style, but it's very kind of understated at the same time, zany and like the subject matter that he usually talks about and his his delivery. But he kind of presents this in this like sort of like quiet, like dorky kind of way. <laughs> um, it should come as no surprise that he's actually really good friends with Hannibal Burris. Okay. So if you're yeah. kind of into that scene. I think you'll probably fuck with Koale Chris quite a bit, um, but yeah, no, just an absolutely—it's—it's it's a dark, dark as hell record, but also incredibly funny. The track "Box of Wheaties" on there is absolutely Great amazing. Track name. Yeah, it's just you know. It has like a very like minimalist kind of like airy, sunshiny, happy-go-lucky beat, and a lot of the tracks on here are like that. A lot of tracks are very indebted to, I would say, almost like the Rizzo's production on early Wu Tang Clan records, it's just super minimal but hard-hitting instrumentals, coupled with talking about the craziness and danger of a lot of what's going on in America with gun violence and gun control. And one of the things that I love about this record, and it's something that kind of um, crept up on me, like the more and more I listened to it and I didn't realize it, is that he has these vocal samples of when Trump said the whole thing, I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody and I wouldn't lose. Right? that actually pops up multiple times throughout the record, but with different voices. Like Mm -hmm. it'll be a woman saying it. It'll be like a processed computer voice saying it. And it just sticks with that whole narrative. And I absolutely love it. It's such an important album. It's something that I think should really, not only just because every track on it is amazing and great, but it's just a thoroughly unique hip hop record. There is nothing else like it that has come out this year. And, it's just phenomenal. Big shout out to Quelle Chris. He is just killing it. Everything he does is super great. This might be my favorite thing he's ever done. In all honesty, so that's,
0: that's awesome. Yeah. All right. Um, moving on to my number two album. Let's just talk a little bit more about Igor. God, Hell the yeah. time of the creator album is so good absolutely it is just from front Talk to back all day from front to back. it is just so catchy hard hitting like Tyler's uh performances on it when he's rapping are great, when he's actually like doing some you know he's doing his hand at at singing you know a good amount
1: mm-hmm. and it, it's primarily sings on this record, yeah which is pretty it's, great. it's
0: really awesome, you know the first time I actually listened to it, I was kind of like thinking um you know i just turned on the spotify and you know just had it on in the background i was like where is tyler the creator on this album because right. like the first like few tracks you barely hear him uh, you know rap and he has such a distinct that deep you know dank voice that he always has so you know when he, when you you know when he comes on but like the first few songs he's like got this really kind of catchy good singing voice and it's really surprising and um, I just I think, you know, like you said, this album is very indebted to Kanye West. Um, especially for me, like 808s and Heartbreaks. This album is very synth heavy.
1: I mean the track I think sounds nearly identical sounds to
0: Exactly like and I brought it up, um the song Paranoid yes. of 808 and Heartbreaks. I'm almost I'm almost convinced that it's like a sample of the beat or it's like that it's that synth sting that happens throughout, I think. That is, it, it, it sounds so similar to to that song from 808s and Heartbreak. And um, I think this, like like Dan said, A Boy is a Gun, Puppet, New Magic Wand, like all these tracks, Earthquake,
1: There, I don't think there's a better... Also speaking of which, big shout out to Playboy Cardi's now meme part <laughs> on that song where you cannot tell at all what he is saying and it's absolutely wonderful. And that's all right. Um, you know Gunmar Roll. <laughs> <laughs> right, yes. Um, I think this
0: is the best hip-hop record of the year so far. Um, and Dan probably knows what my number one record is coming up.
1: I absolutely um, do. But, uh, and I, you know what my number one record coming up is. In fact, all of you might, because if you if you actually listen to this thing, I actually said it on last week's episode... <laughs> But uh, my number one record is Schlangenheim by Black Midi, my my new favorite band, and mm-hmm. they are new. This is their debut record. It is the most psychotic, interesting rock record that I think has come out in the 2010s decade. There's like, I, I think this is honestly has kind of catapulted into like what I would deem at least in like maybe my top 10 to 15 of the 2010s. it's 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 a phenomenal album it is absolutely genius it is always so exciting i feel like when i look at the spectrum of uh my favorite albums from years past i feel like it typically teeters more towards a hip-hop record or right same here electronic record because i feel like that's just where the most interesting ideas happen and thrive and it's always really exciting as somebody who you know grew up listening to indie rock to like find a band that just like evokes that feeling Mm -hmm. where it's just like this feels thoroughly original and fresh and uh that's what this record is it's a it's a true love letter and testament to so many great aspects of underground rock everything from kraut rock to experimental rock they pull a lot from the post-rock genre, bands like Slint or they pull from a lot of like hardcore bands. It's just such a varied, it's it's such a varied record that touches so many bases of so many genres I love and does it seamlessly, sometimes all within one track. I mean, even the the track on this album, looking at my notes, <laughs> sorry, I have it written down here. One of my favorite things. Western, uh, yes, Western. there you go. It's uh, in the middle of the album. Um, going from, you know, just kind of like a jangly borderline country-esque track, which is with these sun-kissed guitars and just, like, beautiful, beautiful melodies being played, but then it just cuts off middle of the way into this these rolling drums and this experimental rock edge to it almost it goes from almost sounding something like that kind of like country and western based almost sounding like a talking head song Uh in the middle of it and it's just wonderful they pull that off to such an amazing degree and it just it's just a fascinating record and it's just it's something where it's like i can't believe this is this band's debut because it just makes me so fucking excited as to what else they potentially have in them and i hope that whatever else they produce in the future is, is of quality, of high quality as this record is. Yeah.
0: I was going to say one of my favorite things about um you know, just music in general is is you know, when I make my top 10 list at the end of the year and everything, my favorite thing is is the artists that you don't know anything about. Yeah. You know, like those ones where you're just like, <laughs> where did this even come from? Who are exactly. these guys, you know, like um a couple of years ago. You know, it happens every it happens a lot with me actually, like SZA's record was my yeah. favorite of 2017, and I had like barely ever heard of her. Anderson Pack of 2016, his that was my favorite record, and I'd never heard of him before. It's like these these artists, that's that's my favorite thing about music is when like these artists that you don't even know, and especially something like Black Midi, where yeah. this is their first album, you had like no chance to even have heard of these guys.
1: Exactly. I and mean... they come
0: out and they're like such a stellar, you know, big, bombastic and they just, like, get in your face and, and you know, really stick to you. Um, well, what's,
1: what's funny, too, is the they released two singles prior to this album being released, but those songs aren't even on the album. Hmm. They were just one-off singles, and I was already intrigued by that, but frankly, being 100% honest, I wasn't as passionate about their material with those two songs as I was... Until I heard Schlangenheim for the first time. I mean, the moment I heard the opening chords, the the opener nine fifty three, and just it's like this these pummeling ass guitars and drums and it just sounds like a hardcore song, but it's not. And it's just blending all of these styles that as a huge music nerd, I deeply appreciate that they're like melding all of these styles of indie and underground rock together in such a seamless fashion and the it just leads to just such incredible songwriting and just such great moments. And it's, it's great. It's like one of the most exciting things about being a, a music nerd and a music <laughs> fan is, and, and I agree it's, that's typically what I gravitate to towards the most or what will rank highest for me right. too. Cause it's important. It's important to see bands and artists at their beginning like this and mm-hmm. to, be there for that and see them at the height of their powers i respect that more and it makes me more excited in all honesty because it's it's fresh it's new ideas it's new voices and that's yeah that's not only just with everything i've said just about having absolutely no flaws with this record no tracks on here that i dislike or anything it's that coupled with that excitement of just making this new discovery it's it's exciting I, I will be very curious to see if anything usurps this for my top spot because <laughs> I don't think so I could very well see this going on into December and January but we'll see we got a few months left yeah. see what else comes out but Michael the moment we've all been waiting for your number one choice a choice that I can already say to our listeners I approve highly of. <laughs> Yeah,
0: so my number one, and it's again, just like Igor, it's one that Dan's already talked about, which I'm mad that it wasn't even in his top five. It's an honorable mention.
1: <laughs> Technically, um, kind of like a top ten, sort of. Oh, it's top ten for sure. <laughs> it would be um, in my top ten if we were doing ten,
0: um, without a doubt. My number one album of this year so far is Morbid Stuff by Pop. Hell yeah. I, like Dan said earlier, I don't gravitate toward uh, pop punk music at all. I don't really listen to any pop punk ever really, Mm -hmm. you know, even punk itself. Maybe I, you know, listen to, uh, Viet Cong or who is, uh, I forget what their preoccupations, you know, some post punk kind of stuff, but the punk genre as a whole doesn't really, it's not kind of my music. I'm more of a, you know, more of a pop or more of an indie rock or more of a R and B or hip hop kind of guy. And, this this new album from Pup is just this is their third album and and it has me coming back every other day at least like I listen to this record
1: nonstop. It's incredible and it's also just such an endearing album like mm-hmm. it's literally one of the like in a lyrical standpoint standpoint a lot of the songs on there are just so sweet and yeah. just absolutely beautiful and just captures i don't know sort of middle class life right in such a amazing way i yeah i i
0: can't agree you know i can't can't agree more i i think this is a this is the best record of the year so far for me it you know from start to finish it's just like is no holds barred just fast catchy fucking rock hard hitting pop punk rock but like just so much better than than what I kind of expect from the genre.
1: Exactly. Um,
0: and such, you know, like I was saying, like this is something that came out of nowhere for me. I'm, I've never really, you know, I, I'd heard a couple songs from them. Actually, DVP um, from their second record um, is maybe even better than any song on morbid stuff it's probably maybe their best song
1: ever it's an incredible that track. song
0: but that song i actually heard it with dan for the first time um we were like driving somewhere and he put it on and i i just i could not get that song out of my head but um yeah I, th- this is like a, a band that came out of nowhere for me it's an album that came out of nowhere and really just struck me and i can't stop going back to it i i think this is the best album of the year For
1: sure. Absolutely. So far. And I think they just, they scratch an itch because it's like, I want, I want to like more artists like that, Mm -hmm. that have that kind of sound. Yeah. That pull from the obvious influences that they pull. Like, you could very much hear like a lot of early Weezer kind of influencing this record and a lot of, you know, the Descendants and like other, you know, kind of more pop leaning in alternative and punk rock and I just, I, I I never really hear it. It just, there's never that connection where you get, like, these, like, huge, chunky riffs that are yeah. just fucking awesome and, like, lead up to, like, an, a band that I, you know, proudly enjoy and I right. like, really like. And I don't know. They just do it. I don't
0: know what it is about this album. It just, like, I don't know what they're doing that other pop-punk artists aren't doing, or at least, like, the, the big pop-punk. Maybe there are, like, you know, smaller artists that I don't know that are, you know, hitting the same notes and do- sure. you know, doing the same stuff, but of pop punk bands that I can name they're not you know at the quality level that pup is. Yeah, exactly. I think I think this is just
1: And there definitely are a few. I mean it's definitely there there's a couple that come to mind for me personally that I would say are kind of contemporaries to pup that are are good and can pull off that so- that sound well, but I mean, also, especially just, they they also don't have the consistency that a band like Pub does, because sure. this is coming off of, like, two other incredible records, in my opinion, yeah. and then they deliver this, which is, like, maybe their best, in all honesty. It's, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah,
0: I think it is, from front to back, such a great record. Really great artwork. Absolutely. <laughs> and, the, and the album artwork. We haven't really talked too much about that, but, um, yeah, super fun record. Really, really enjoy it. Really can't speak highly enough of it, and, and hope everyone... Looks at it. P-U-P. Pup.
1: Morbid stuff. Yeah. So those were our top five albums of 2019 so far with a couple honorable mentions sprinkled in. We're going to take a short little break and when we come back, Michael's going to talk about his top five video games of 2019 so far.
0: Hell yeah. Stick around. Hey everybody, we are back and this is Michael Lane, your co-host of Infinite Canvas Ultra. And I'm going to be running down my top five video games of the year so far. Maybe with a little bit of chiming in from Dan, but we'll see.
1: Oh, a little bit. Yeah. I'm mainly here for the recommendations. I've been <laughs> slacking on my video game playing, so.
0: Yeah, hell, there's a lot. There's been a pretty good amount of games so far
1: this year that have been really great, so. I've just been kind of locked into my initial things that I bought Yeah. kind of phase, just getting back into video games. So, like, I need to buy some new stuff, so Here's, give me some recommendations. Here will be some
0: really good recommendations for you, oh, so. yeah. First up on my list, uh, number five, I'm going to give it to Ape Out, which is a uh, published by Devolver Digital, uh, which is a you know indie label for video games. You know, you maybe know them from Hotline Miami. Um, I know they've put out so many other games that are not coming to mind right now, but um, Ape Out is f- actually pretty similar to something like Hotline Miami, um, which is you know a top-down, uh, very fast-paced, breakneck um action game so you play as this ape and uh basically the whole premise of the game is that you're breaking out from ape prison i guess yeah and your whole objective is to just get through these levels from like left to right um you know perspective is you know cameras above your your little ape guy and all you do like your only actions are to run uh slam and i guess you can like grab uh, so you can like grab enemies all the enemies are like these um, armed guards who have like shotguns or machine guns and you know they they add some you know extra uh, different um, things on top of that like shields and whatnot and the game is just visceral just so much fun it has a great look um, really cool style where everything's very minimalist Um, and also the game is soundtracked with like this jazz uh composition yeah every level is like these jazzy um you know little breaks and every time you perform an action like if you uh you know your main action is to hit the button and your ape will if you're next to an enemy you'll hit the enemy and they'll go flying so if you hit them into a wall or a different enemy uh, they'll just like explode on impact it's like such a visceral fun it's usually a
1: symbol crash yeah and and like with the and just so listeners know i have played a little bit of this and i fucking love this game <laughs> i don't know if it's is it out for ps4 yet it's uh i think on switch right i think now. it
0: came out for ps4 when it no it didn't actually it is just it is. it's switch and uh it should be coming to uh actually yeah it's on computer it's on uh you can get it on windows or you can get it on switch
1: Okay, because well, um, aside for our listeners, Michael brought his Switch over like the weekend that game came out. Phew, amazing! I knew it was I a game that Dan it. had to I play. I Love it! Um, I it just is... don't own a Switch yet, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Maybe this Christmas. Maybe this Christmas. I think hey. that might be. I might ask yeah.
0: Santa for that. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> yeah, hell yeah! The, the Switches, uh, I can't recommend that system enough. And Ape Out, like I said, is really fun um you know super simple very pick up and play kind of game you don't have to dedicate a lot of time to it it's maybe maybe takes like two or three hours to finish and then there's like a a harder mode that's actually you know kind of gives it a lot of replayability so yeah it's it's super simple it's you know maybe 15 bucks i think uh super simple game has a really great art style really
1: visually stunning if we were if we were to like give
0: out awards for like best style like this this would be it 100 for sure like the and A-Bow it's so
1: great. it's really so minimal like there's yeah. really nothing much to it but it just like it's... there's not
0: really a lot of detail on any of the backgrounds or characters or anything but like everything just has this very distinct kind of um like art deco it, look or right something. it like, almost
1: looks like album artworks a jazz record from yes. the 50s or 60s mm-hmm. but you're playing it right it's insane and on top of it's the, way more violent yeah. than what an album cover of that <laughs> yes. would be like <laughs>
0: and on top of the, the the music like the score the jazz score it is so much fun to play around with um so yeah ape out is my number five game of the year moving on to number four is actually another switch switch exclusive uh which is tetris Nine um amazing game i cannot believe the impact that tetris has had on my life in the last year
1: exactly Uh, between
0: tetris 99 which came out earlier this year and tetris effect which is a uh, ps4 and i think it actually came out on pc recently Um, tetris effect is you know very musically uh, involved and uh, you know really brought me back into interest with tetris which you know tetris is a game that's been around forever it's the quintessential puzzle game but how do you make Tetris interesting in twenty nineteen and yeah. somehow they've done
1: it. Like, Weirdly, Tetris Effect is one of the most beautiful video game experiences I think yeah. I've ever had oh, in yeah. my life. It's it's amazing. But Tetris ninety nine is kind of a, a different animal. Yeah, Tetris ninety nine is, is not beautiful. It's no, it punches it's, you in the face. <laughs> yeah, whereas
0: like Tetris Effect is the, you know, kind of chill out, you know, it's still challenging but it's like chill out and you can just kind of listen to the music and, and get involved it's kind of like ape out where you know how you place the blocks actually affects the music but tetris 99 is a you know like the like you can maybe expect from the name itself it is a battle royale type game um you know ripping off of um fortnite or PUBG g or um, another game that will actually come up on my list later um, tetris 99 is you against 98 other players all playing tetris at the same time and it is just so much fun um i've barely sunk any time into it i wish i have put would have put more time into it but it is such a it's like one of those things where i almost know i'll never
1: win yeah i think
0: my best i think i got to like six or five i think i sent you yeah you like texted a screenshot. me because it was um, 6 which is some, like impressive. Which
1: t- <laughs> if you've ever played this game good yeah. luck with that because like, yeah good the, luck getting cracking the top 10 you're yeah, not going to do it the
0: community behind this the game you, it's kind of almost a luck base like you obviously have to be good at tetris but like somehow you have to get lucky enough for all of the 98 other people not to uh target you and send you all their junk while they yeah. play tetris um the, yeah tetris 99 is just so much fun uh very simple but a, but a great um you know, just, you know, addition to the to the Tetris uh, legacy. Um, next up on my list is another long-running series, um, which has been going on for, God, almost 30 years now, which is uh, the new Mortal Kombat game, Mortal Kombat 11. I need to play
1: that. Um, I really want to play that. Yeah, uh,
0: if anyone's played, you know, any of the recent Mortal Kombat games from the reboot, uh, which was Mortal Kombat 9 and then Mortal Kombat X, um mortal kombat 11 is really um you know just a step in the right direction again you know these games have just been getting better and better um and mortal kombat 11 if you know continues the story of the mortal kombat uh reboot trilogy here uh it could be like a good send-off you know somehow it's kind of like wolfenstein like i was saying earlier the mortal kombat games kind of have like good writing and good stories and like these fun characters like it's not a it's not like a film level quality story or anything, but like for what Mortal Kombat is, it's a lot of fun, and they put a lot of effort into the characters and the, um, you know, the actual cinematic value of the of the game. And the story mode is actually a lot of fun. Um, I've kind of not played a lot of Mortal Kombat Eleven recently just because it's one of those things where I, I don't know if I have the time to put into the like playing multiplayer and like yeah. playing against people online because. Someone out there is going to be playing this game, like, non-stop, and they're and just going to be better to than you, you, and they're just going to destroy you every single time. Um, but Mortal Kombat 11, it's, it's you know, a lot of the same. It's it's a great um, iteration on the Mortal Kombat series, and I, you know, if you like Mortal Kombat, it's a, more of the same, and it's
1: really great. Do you have that for Switch or PS4? PS4. Okay. I, I've,
0: you know, seen... I was super excited for the Switch version of it, but... Uh, with just how, like, the, the graphical fidelity on the Switch is just not there. And mm-hmm. Mortal Kombat 11 on, like, PS4, you know, it just looks so phenomenal. I, like, the, the character designs and then the backgrounds and everything, it looks so nice. When I picked that up, i was have to play online. Hell yeah, that, that game is super awesome. Um, my number two game uh, is a uh, a game that probably a lot of people people have played, actually, and that's Apex Legends. Um, like I said before, Tetris 99 is, you know, riffing off of the, uh, Battle Royale games and Apex Legends is doing the exact same. It's, uh, the new game from Respawn, uh, which is, uh, ex-developers of Call of Duty Modern Warfare. You know, they have a lot of cred. They made, um, the Titanfall series very recently. Titanfall 2 is one of my favorite shooters of all time. Mm -hmm. And Apex Legends is, you know, probably my favorite battle royale game ever made so far you know like yeah. i've enjoyed fortnite i like pubg and tetris 99 obviously but something about apex Legends, is like it's that studio just knows how to make good shooters yeah and the first person combat in that game is just so much fun the the there's a good speed to it and the fact that you're always in a squad is a lot of fun about you know uh, i played a lot of it with friends and i think that game was just so well designed and and yeah there's not really too much to say about apex legends everyone has probably played it it's a free game you can download it right now whatever um yeah you know it's kind of i've fallen off of it uh since it's released but i'm sure you know once new seasons come out and they're introducing new stuff if they ever introduce a new map i'll be there for sure like absolutely um yeah i'm I'm super psyched on apex legends i think it's a great game
1: it's kind of nice to see a A game like that a battle royale game that almost is kind of like a cult hit in a sense i feel like most other games that are its peers are these massive well, yeah. massive things fortnite is like is the fortnite biggest and... thing
0: and PUBG is like not as big in the states but like if you went over to like europe or, or china i believe like pub g's gigantic
1: mm-hmm.
0: um apex was really big it actually had i remember when it first came out it had like 10 million downloads in like the first like <laughs> few days or something like that which was like super insane like more than fort like it, it was beating Fortnite for a little bit little bit there right um but it's dropped off and you know recently and and i think it is kind of has like more of a, a cult status at this point you know it's Fortnite it will go on forever yeah. it'll be the biggest game until we all die and Most Fortnite likely. will live on, you know, it'll just be made by Probably AI or something.
1: VR Fortnite in the next if, five exactly. years, exactly. <laughs> and and but but your you little assholes yeah. flossing on you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but the uh, the ragtag group over at Respawn that's that's creating Apex is, you know, they're really doing some phenomenal stuff, and uh, I'm excited to see what comes out of that uh, in the future. But also holding out hope for that uh, Titanfall three comes out as well. But totally. Oh boy! My, uh, number
1: one, here we go.
0: My number one game is actually a game from 1998, but like remade. That's not and that's, 2019. <laughs> and uh, that's Resident Evil Two. Wow, number Resident one. Resident Evil that's awesome. Two is so fucking good. It is. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of the Resident Evil series. I grew up on those games. Like Absolutely. I remember, you know, when I was like six or seven years old playing Resident Evil One and Resident Evil Two on like ps1 or you know the resident totally. evil gamecube remake
1: with my cousins play the that original of yeah T- with my brother all the time yeah and
0: and resident evil 2 the original like uh i went back to that probably when i was like 13 or 14 and played through it for the first time like you know as a whole and and it is probably the best resident evil game in my eyes you know the series is is so well known and and you know there it, you could really probably pick like out of a hat like five different games and it could be your favorite like I would say like Resident Evil the one remake, Resident Evil two the original, Resident Evil seven, Resident Evil four like these are like pinnacle like really great games in the series. But I don't know this Resident Evil two remake is probably the best Resident Evil game ever created in my eyes. That's awesome. Um, it just it looks so good. It's such a smart reimagining of of the original game and, and the gameplay it. it Harkens back to the, uh, you know, that Resident Evil 4, Resident Evil 5 style of gameplay, but uh, improves upon it a lot. Um, makes it, you know, way more um, accessible in 2019. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually scary. The um, the tyrant that that follows you around, Mr. X, is such a... And you you haven't played Resident Evil 2 Remake at, at all, right? I haven't
1: yet, unfortunately. There's
0: a... And this actually was in the original game as well, but there was a character that, would follow, that follows you around in Resident Evil 2 called Mr. X, and he is, like, perpetual. Like, he is... When you're in the police station, which is where most of the game takes place, like, he can be around at any time. Yeah. And just, like, he is unstoppable. You can, like, put him down with a bunch of bullets, but he'll come back.
1: That's awesome. And um,
0: it's just, like it adds this extra layer of of anxiety and and scariness uh that that really heightens that game and heightens the experience and you know i've played through it actually twice maybe like four times i guess if you count like i played leon first and then claire and then i went back and played claire a because it's like you can play one character their a version and then the other character's b version and like you can mix and match it um and yeah, it's just been bringing me back, and and it's it's phenomenal. It's you know, Capcom is in is in a really great place um, with this, and that, you know, I hear really great things about Monster Hunter, and that New Devil May Cry is supposed to be really great. Um, but Resident Evil 2 is just for me, for my money, that's that is the best game of 2019 so far.
1: It's awesome, thank you, Michael. Maybe I'll finally stop replaying God of War <laughs> and Spider Man and pick hey. some of these up.
0: Fantastic
1: <laughs> games, you know. I have to say from that list, like Resident RE2 and uh Mortal Kombat are probably like the two that I'm kind of like next on my list yeah. that I want to grab. Especially Mortal Kombat. It's been forever since I've I think probably since like the PS2 era of those games that I've played Mortal Kombat. So I want yeah. to dive back into that with that. Yeah.
0: And you know what? Actually, before we get out of here, before I stop talking about video games, because I don't know how much I'll get to talk about it, I just wanna shout out Hitman 2 which technically came out last year, but they did release a DLC map uh, just this past month, and Hitman 2. Just play it. Hitman 2 is so fucking good.
1: Yeah, I gotta grab that too. Actually, actually,
0: I think the the family video uh, near my girlfriend's house has it for 20 bucks, which is a steal. Okay, yeah, or I'm gonna go grab that. It's on, I think it's actually on <laughs> PSN for sale right now for 40, which gets you like. The base game plus Ooh. all the extra stuff, and that is so worth it. That's pretty good. Hitman cool. 2 is so replayable. Um, it's one of the one of my favorite games of the last few years. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's the video game minute with Michael. That's amazing. Uh, yeah.
1: Good shit. Everybody, go play those games. Yeah.
0: And uh, coming up next after this quick little break, we're going to be talking about our top five films of 2019 so far.
1: Stay tuned, everybody. It's going to be good. Welcome back, everybody, to Infinite Canvas Ultra. This is the special, extended, 2019 mid-year episode. Thanks for bearing with us. Although, how could you not? There's so much great material that we're talking about. I mean, who wouldn't want to know what our top five favorite films, top five favorite albums are of this year? And you know what? While we're at it, you should let us know what your top five favorite albums and top five favorite movies of this year are. You can email us at infinitecanvasalt at gmail.com. Or tweet at us at I see um, Yeah, dude, this is exciting. Yeah. I'm excited to hear what your choices are as I said before with the album um, Segment of the show neither of us know what our choices are what order <laughs> they are all that good stuff and This is one where I feel like it's not gonna be too surprising There are some choices that I know will be on Michael's list. They're also on mine and it's no secret like michael's my movie viewing companion we typically (laughs) go and see everything together there's only like a couple yeah a couple instances like where we don't i mean unless it's just something where on this
0: list of everything that i have unless it was on netflix or hulu yeah i think i saw every single movie on my list with you
1: (laughs) exactly i just have there's two in my uh honorable mentions that one was a special like music box thing that I went to by myself. The other one I went and saw with my buddy Ian because he's a big fan of a particular comic character that is in my honorable mentions. Right. So, but other than that, yeah, yeah, I think it's not gonna be a surprise to us, but it'll probably be a surprise to you. Maybe. And I'm gonna I'm gonna hand this over to Michael as our official movie kind of over here, the resident cinephile. I mean, granted, I I am too, but Michael is. The way that I feel about music, that is how Michael feels about movies. Mm-hmm. He that passion and love I have for music, he has tenfold for movies. So <laughs> Mike's gonna take the take the lead on this one. Yeah. So um
0: I think before we start off with our top five, uh, you know, like we did with the music, we're gonna shout out just you know, just a couple honorable mentions here. So, Absolutely. Um, my honorable mentions are um, first off I'm gonna talk about Midsummer. I think Midsummer was a really
1: you can't see this because it's a podcast, but my face—I just did the like shocked look. Uh, wow, honorable yeah. Damn. <laughs> wow! I mentions. Really not What is Damn! I really bloo- just—I just blew Dan's mind by telling him that Midsummer is wow. not my top five.
0: Um, All right. Yeah, Midsummer really great. I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about it later. Yeah. Um, next up, I have Spider-Man: Far From Home. Good choice. Uh, really, you know, just super fun. Uh, you know, I, I think that movie gets way better in its second half. Um, yeah. I think Jake Gyllenhaal kills it. Which is no um, surprise. Yeah, no surprise. I think Mysterio is one of the best villains that the Marvel Universe has ever had. And that's and
1: incredible that they took that with, you know, a character like Mysterio. Right. Oh, so
0: Seriously, that movie has some of the best scenes in all the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think. Yeah, Especially absolutely. like those, those uh, the scenes where uh, Spider-Man's hallucinating. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, man. Um, Great
1: moment. Comic book shit. Like... Personified on screen, yeah, like so great. stuff you'd want to see in a comic book film. Yeah, next right up for, for me you.
0: in my honorable mentions is another Marvel Cinematic uh, Universe film, and that's Avengers Endgame. Um, you know, I, I I love this movie. I think it is so great, and and you know, such a stellar cap to the first ten years of the Marvel Universe. Absolutely. But um, for me, I it just I have a hard time giving best of list you know like giving marvel movies time on a best of list i don't know I what feel it is the
1: exact same way
0: like yeah. it like it's such a great movie and it and it, it, you know it is a great finale to those characters and that storyline that they've been building for 10 years
1: but but it's just kind of expected exactly way. it's it's I mean, obviously, being a gigantic... Both of us being gigantic comic book fans and whatnot, it's, it's, it's the film-going experience of mm-hmm. eating candy, kind of. Like, I love it, and it's great, and I'll always come back to it, but it's just like... And you can... There are definitely instances where you have very substantive films in the genre, something like The Dark Knight. I mean, that straight up is basically a that is a film a film about it's essentially just like you could just swap it's a crime out drama. yeah you could swap out a detective or a cop for batman yeah, yeah. and it's the same fucking movie um I'm trying to think if there's any others that I would kind of logan
0: yeah logan is I, basically
1: like a western but with mutants kind of i yeah. mean it's uh, you you definitely have those exceptions i mean
0: i would put into the
1: spider verse in there
0: it, it, it is, it is...
1: That thing is an achievement just yeah. for animation. It is
0: similar, you know, it's not, like, as out there or, yes. like, stylistically different as Logan or The Dark Knight is, um, but Spider-Verse, I think, is just, like, above and beyond the best Marvel movie, period. Absolutely. Probably. Like, and that it, movie it's is... It's also,
1: it's literally a love letter to an entire medium. Yeah. And... And
0: some of the best animation you'll ever see at, in any movie.
1: Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Um... So yeah, Avengers Endgame. You know, another great movie from this year.
1: And uh, send your hay mail again to <laughs> cancel the Gmail. Yeah, <laughs> hey, but we do love that movie. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, next yes, up on my do.
0: list is one that me and Dan actually caught this past week, and that's the Farewell, mm-hmm. uh, which is a A twenty four production. It is Aquafina in the leading role. It's a very simple. Uh, film about a, a woman uh Awkwafina's character whose grandmother is uh diagnosed with cancer but uh as per Chinese culture um they don't tell her yeah uh, that she has cancer and it's a very heartwarming and sweet and you know just very touching film and the it, it's well shot and and the acting's really great it's a really touching story um maybe we'll hear a, bit, a little bit more about that later um yeah i, mean, I really, really, really love that film that.
1: a lot it's 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 very touching and it, i really hope more people yeah. see this it's funny like just in the last couple of days even just like talking about it with people coworkers there's just kind of an unawareness of it yeah. and that makes me really sad because it's it's a really good movie well
0: it's also not at the time of this recording i think it might be getting like a big wider release like this weekend okay. or the next weekend um so hopefully it does get out there it does have like a 99% around tomato, Tomatoes so it's certain to do pretty well I'm I'm actually pretty certain by at this point it's actually done pretty well at the box office and for people like, like Aquafina how can yeah.
1: you not know? aquafina yeah. is awesome
0: it's 824 and people go to that you know people go to the all the time and so the last honorable mention on my list is uh the was this the, oh crap, I don't even remember. Was this the Hulu one? Uh, it's the Fire, <laughs> it's Fire, uh, which now I, it's actually, I'm, I have to look it up now because um, at the same time, so the Fire Festival was the, uh, a crazy, stupid, you know, moment in time where they had this festival on an island in the middle of nowhere
1: they made amazing looking sandwiches.
0: Yeah. And if you don't know the story, and if you have Hulu or Netflix, you have to watch uh, this documentary um, about about the Fire Festival. Um, Fire, the one that I really liked, is the Netflix one. Uh, the Hulu one, which I think I did watch Fire Fraud, uh, did not have the same impact on me. Um, but the Netflix movie Fire is a stellar look into just how bad you know this this festival was planned and if you were on social media around 2017 I think it took place mm-hmm. um, you're sure to have caught something about the fire Festival uh, during that time and, and just how much of a fucking colossal wreck it was and yeah the the documentary is is so insightful and, and interesting and yeah that's also kind know.
1: of a, should be of no kind of a weird moment in 2019 film history that there was just for some reason like Hulu was just like we got a fire festival documentary. They came
0: out like within a week of each other. I think the Hulu one came out like the weekend before the Netflix one was supposed to come out. And It was secret. Yeah, it was like a secret. It was was like, hey, we got it too. Come watch ours. Yeah, and yeah. So the Netflix one I think is the superior version of the the fire festival documentary. So
1: exactly. Weird thing about a utter (laughs) clusterfuck. Putting it mildly. Uh, Dan, what are your
0: uh, five honorable mentions?
1: Well, my honorable mentions. I'm going to start off with the sleeper hit of the summer, a movie that I was literally grinning ear to ear the entire time watching it because this is fucking good. I'm talking about Stuber <laughs> with uh, Kumail Man- Nanjiani and Dave Bautista. Two Such a fun movie. Two actors. <laughs> one actor-comedian that just play so well off of each other, a very ridiculous story of Dave Bautista's character being this kind of over-the-hill private eye who is trying to solve a murder case because his partner was murdered, and he just ends up basically taking advantage of his Uber driver and <laughs> taking him along for this nightmare of a time where they're trying to solve this murder and
0: and like really take on a get like a drug cartel basically (laughs) and like oh my god yeah that movie's a lot of fun
1: amazing action sequences surprisingly um absolutely hilarious moments and it's something where I, I can't wait to watch that again. I, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I could see myself probably picking that up on Blu-ray it's, when that comes out.
0: It is the Uncle Drew of this year, you know? Wow. That is which a, is crazy. That is a
1: startlingly good analogy Because to agree wholeheartedly.
0: If you guys don't know us, we also love Uncle Drew, we which is not a great movie. We
1: stan Uncle Drew. But oh, take But, man, that back. Uncle Drew is really <laughs> it's good. It's a great movie. Um, it is so... That movie is a little hilarious. I, I just rewatched that recently, actually, and... <laughs> it's amazing yeah. but yeah no don't Stuber. sleep on Stuber Stuber is incredible next up um, another very lighthearted, fun watch is and also a, a comic book film Shazam a yeah. huge surprise that I had I mean given uh, Warner Brothers and DC's track record of films based on the DC comic book characters I had no hope for this I yeah Figured it. I mean, but granted, it's also not directed by Scott Snyder, so yeah, (laughs) maybe uh, maybe I should have been a little bit easier on that going in. But it's it's absolutely wonderful. It it is something that I kind of want to see more out of superhero comic book films. Just like a simple, self-contained, standalone story that is absolutely charming. Zachary Levi, who like. Who really didn't give a fuck <laughs> right. about him. I mean, I just know I knew that he was in that NBC show, Chuck. Right. Um incredibly charming. Charismatic actually plays like a grown man who is a twelve year old boy in mm-hmm. such to such a convincing level. And it's just such a lovable film. And I yeah, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was incredibly good. It also is <clears throat> like maybe one of the only superhero comic book films. To thoroughly remind me of the original Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy um, Which I will go to bat for that trilogy any day that thing that 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 series of movies really paved the way for basically what Hollywood is nowadays with <laughs> how big of a thing superhero films are and it just has that feel it it's it's about Shazam, but like like the Sam Raimi movies it connects you to such a a huge world and other cast of characters that, like, you care about and feel so fleshed out and real and lived in, and I really love that about that movie. Um, Next up, best action movie of the year, hands down, no question. If this were out of ten, this would probably be my sixth favorite movie of the year, and I'm talking about John Wick 3. Keanu is back. It is, like, seriously the best, probably the best action movie franchise going right now.
0: Yeah. There's
1: oh, this, yeah. there's nothing For else. Sure. I, I can't think of anything that brings me the level of just dumb joy and like fun every time I watch one of those I mean, movies. And I don't mean dumb in the sense that these movies are dumb. I mean, they are a little bit silly, but just in the sense that I am just I, I feel like a little kid every yeah, time you're I just watch o- those. Just I'm awe. just locked in. Yeah. Uh, the countless great creative fight scenes i will never look at a library the same way again because of that movie it's it's absolutely incredible the
0: dogs the dogs actually get the revenge in exactly
1: yeah dog justice going on in a series that (laughs) the beginning of it was maybe one of the saddest moments i've ever seen in a film (laughs) because i love dogs and there is some dog endangerment in that first john wick but yeah and it's honestly i think a series that Almost gets better as it progresses. I think I kind of like 2 and 3 more than the first John Wick, I would say so, too.
0: I think they've just gotten better as they've gone along. Like, you know, as much as the first and second one are just completely stellar and, like, you know, really great starting... You know, first one's a great starting point and very bare bones, and the second one really delved into, like, the deeper, uh, you know, lore of the John Wick uh, world. I think 3 is just from, you know... You know it's action set pieces are bar none you know some of the best mm-hmm. um it again is delving deeper into that world which is so you know so interesting especially for like a, a series of films that like uh, before they came out i was looking at the trailers and just like what is like yeah is back and his dog died why exactly. do i care and just man these films have Really, just struck me so hard, and they're really great. You know,
1: I said this to Michael as we were watching it for the first time. Like, it's legitimately the greatest video game movie about not a video game mm-hmm. because the way it's structured, you literally have John Wick running through a city, going to one locale, and then he ends up facing an enemy. Yep. But at the same time, after he faces his enemy, he has to grab a coin that he has to use for something else while he runs to another locale. Like, honestly video game movies should try to follow suit in some way because maybe yeah. they would actually be good yeah and it just makes me want like i said also it makes me want a legit john wick video game i think it would be. Oh, there incredible. actually is a john
0: wick video game coming out john wick hex all right um it's kind of like a strategy game um the developer is actually pretty does some pretty interesting stuff so
1: um fingers could be crossed cool. on that yeah. that'd be amazing and i've feel pretty confident that we'll be hearing about John Wick again later oh, on. Oh yeah, we will.
0: I <laughs> in this guarantee segment, it. I
1: should say. Yeah. Next up, Avengers Endgame. The biggest popcorn spectacle of the year. It is incredible. It is basically everything I've wanted to see in a superhero film since I was like four years old. Mm-hmm. Seeing all these characters assemble on screen for a gigantic battle. Ten years of film payoff and that is so good I honestly kind of wish it was just over I I sort of think that like I I, I mean I'm excited for the future of the MCU I will always follow it but if this was it I would be completely fine with that and I honestly kind of think it should be because it's just they've told so they have told these stories in such an amazing way and this just feels like such a resolute ending that I would be I, I think it almost would be better to just kind of do one-off movies, right. still have I just your about Thors, say. still have your Guardians of the Galaxy once in a while, but maybe focus a little less on tying everything yeah, together. But I don't, I don't know if it'll ever
0: have the impact again.
1: Exactly, and this felt like a moment. It was a moment. It's the it's highest the grossing movie film of, all of all time. time. And it's a, a great spectacle, and I think the Ruser brothers just did an amazing job, and I think that they obviously have such a... Profound love for comic books, for Marvel, and it just shows. It is just all over those movies, mm-hmm. and that and Infinity War just it's it's a example of just a big blockbuster done in the best possible way. Yeah. So love that movie. And then my last uh, honorable mention is gonna have to go to one of my all time favorites, Harmony Korine, his new film, The Beach Bum following the exploits of Matthew McConaughey's character Moondog, a washed-up writer that's hanging out in Miami trying to write his last great book, his last great novel, and it is the most... Harmony Corinne is a bit of a, a freak in the Hollywood landscape and the film landscape. He has had such a diverse... Divisive. Lo- divisive, like lo-fi, crazy-ass career. His films are not for everybody. It definitely speaks to a, a very, like, you know, cult subset group of filmgoers. But... If you
0: don't know who he is, you may be... You probably recognize Spring Breakers. Spring
1: Breakers, is probably, yeah. It's probably his most widely known film. Um, but other works of his include Gummo, which is a huge favorite of mine. Julian Donkey Boy, which is... A crazy film, but honestly, my favorite thing that he's ever done. And the Beach Bomb is actually the most I could safely say the most accessible. Um, has the most wide appeal of anything that he's ever yeah. done, and it's just a fun time. It's just a straight up stoner comedy. It's it's really goofy and funny. It has incredible performances but and funny as hell performances by martin lawrence and zach efron who absolutely destroy their segments in the movie it's it's great what a weird
0: combo (laughs) i
1: know it's it's great to it's great to see harmony do something that's a little bit less rough around the edges and just kind of more straightforward and i don't know something that i could i could see appealing to a wider audience of people but not really losing it what makes his films so great in the right. first place. So. That's
0: cool. Yeah. Um, so there's, there our, there's our honorable mentions. Now really we the really, good stuff. Yeah, well, yeah, those other movies are really shit. But um, <laughs> They're all
1: terrible. <laughs> I'm just kidding.
0: Uh, send your hate mail to... Uh, <laughs> um, so for my number five, we're going to get into our top five here. Um, for my number five uh, top film of the half year, I'm going with a uh, movie that... Probably not a lot of people know, uh, and that's knife plus knife plus heart, um, emphasis on the plus. Um, this movie is a French uh, kind of horror uh, drama that is that takes place in the late 70s. Um, super stylistic. It is about a uh, woman who's a adult film producer, mm-hmm. uh, specifically gay adult films. And the movie revolves around this uh, serial killer who's going around and killing uh, some of the stars uh, and and people that are involved with the movies that she makes. And it's kind of just a, it's a very kind of neo-noir uh, sort of film and has some of the most, oh, like, over-the-top, ballsy, uh, you know, film deaths I've ever seen, including one with a dildo that has a knife uh, at the end of it. It's basically a switchblade dildo um and uh, which is uh I believe uh inserted anally of course <laughs> and it is just some of the craziest it's so much like fun but also very uh deep and you know the themes of it are really cool and like I said it's very stylistic has a, you know it's set in late 70s in Paris um, and uh, you know, very neon looking, and it's such a such a really great movie. And uh, you know, just talking about it, I hope that uh, you know it, it is tipped off to a lot of more people. And I'm Absolutely. sure it'll probably end up on on Dan's list at some point. Yeah. Here, but, um, Dan, what's your number? Number five.
1: My number five is gonna go to Toy Story Four. A oh, very <laughs> <laughs> different,
0: no. different choice. Than the one, hey, uh... there's toys in that, just like there's toys exactly. in Knife Plus Heart. <laughs>
1: This one, toys for children. The other one, toys for adults. <laughs> hey, um, yeah, I mean, an absolutely wonderful film. It was. It's, I think, the finale to the franchise, yeah. um, and just amazing. I mean, it follows through. I mean, after I honestly didn't expect there to be another Toy Story after three, but I'm glad there was. This yeah. was a nice add on to. A, a franchise that i have an immense amount of love for i mean i think toy story one was probably the first movie i ever saw um and yeah it follows the exploits of bonnie the girl that we're introduced to at the end of toy story three who uh, now has all of Andy's toys because they were passed down to her mm-hmm. and she's created a new friend for the gang Forky, a <laughs> suicidal spork with Forky. pipe cleaners for arms and legs. Forky has maybe some of the best jokes
0: of all of this year. Absolutely. For sure. That character is, oh my god, it is such a great inclusion in that series and and kind of dark. Uh, it really is, but yeah, Toy Story Four is really great. I'll actually I'm gonna shout it out right now because that's my number four film. So we could just oh, talk about it uh, together. born
1: into it. Um, yeah. yeah,
0: Toy Story Four is is like like you said, it, it is. Toy Story Three maybe should have been the end. Mm-hmm. Um, it could have been a you know an amazing finale to that to the trilogy, but the fact that there was a Toy Story Four, um, I'm not mad about it. You know, I'm not either. going into it's it, it's a
1: great add on, and also yeah. it's. The ending of the movie, I'm not going to spoil it. This is going to be a pretty spoiler-free zone for this episode. Right. Um, they're going to listen to all two hours of it. Yes, you are. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's a movie where it's a children's movie, but it knows its audience. It right. knows the audience that grew up with it originally is now... Michael and Ari at mm-hmm. age. And they might have kids themselves. and Yeah, they, and they hold no punches on that, and it's great. It's great that they have created a children's film that still speaks to someone like myself who absolutely has an inner child and wants to see a toy. If there is a Toy Story 5, I'll be there the opening yeah, night. Yeah, for sure. And it's just such a beautiful, if it is the end, beautiful end to it and has a message that also, I mean, it's great for young children of of now to see but uh for adults too who were there from the beginning of it to see also this yeah. message of you know making important choices in life and doing what makes you happy and best for you and that's what i feel like is the main message of that movie yeah. and It's i mean of course it would be pulled off in such an incredible way pixar really never does any wrong so uh... I don't well, know
0: that I would go that far. Um, they've made some mistakes. That's
1: true. There are some dents. Especially in the past five... But that, for that would, Toy Story, no. Right. I
0: think that's what was so surprising for Toy Story for me was, you know, Pixar's track record of late has been very hit or miss. Mm-hmm. I love Inside Out. I thought Finding Dory was pretty good. But, like, The Good Dinosaur, no yeah, all that. Uh, the Cars movies that they keep making, who cares? Like, I, with Toy Story 4, it was kind of... it was that we don't need this. We, uh, what are they going to do with it? But it really, they really hit it out of the park. This is, Toy Story 4. If you haven't seen it yet, um, is a really stellar inclusion to the, to the series and maybe the conclusion to the series. And, um, yeah, I loved it a lot.
1: Absolutely. So wow, uh, since that it. was my
0: number four. Uh, Jeez. I guess Dan's got to go again for number for his number,
1: uh, th- four, That's number four. Yeah. And that is going to go to Midsummer. Hey. Ari Aster's follow-up to my favorite film of last year, *Hereditary*. It is the B-side to *Hereditary*, where *Hereditary* was dark and grisly and abysmal the entire time. This is gorgeous and lush and beautiful, and there's so many visual tricks that happen in this that, like, it's it's a sensory overload of a film. Um, for those of you who don't know. I'm blanking. Did you touch on the the premise of the movie in your? Uh, no, I did not. Uh, the initial the the premise of Midsummer is a young couple who is relationship is just skidding completely off the rails. Um, they decide to go with a group of friends. Uh, they're in college and they decide to go to take a trip to Sweden to visit the Midsummer Festival in Sweden and uncover an incredibly dark cults that. <laughs> they were not expecting to find on this trip right. but they just
0: wanted to do drugs and lay out in the sun all day and exactly. with, you
1: know grassy knolls of of Sweden but they've uncovered this cult that are setting out to destroy their lives like, completely <laughs> and it's not at all the trip that they were expecting and it's it's a deeply fucked up movie it's great i absolutely love it i love the performances in it again on a visual standpoint it's uh, an achievement in its own right. It's just ex- incredibly pleasant to look at and I love that contrast of how pleasant and beautiful it is but it's so dark. It's yeah. pitch black once mm-hmm. you cut into its core. Well, and... Especially
0: the beginning is like maybe even darker than anything in Hereditary. Like yeah. The beginning is so it re- <laughs> that movie hits you with a with a double-decker bus like right out the gate and, Exactly. Um, it really takes a turn, and and I, I did enjoy the movie a lot. Um, for me, it just it didn't have the same impact as Hereditary, um, and I, as much as I do think the movie is really great and and has some fantastic performances and stellar cinematography, um, it felt a little overlong to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I, I do love Midsummer a lot. If I were to have a sixth, <clears throat> that would have been my number six sure uh, movie of the year f- so far for sure
1: um, did you have any more for it or no i think that about covers it. i think we've talked about it enough
0: yeah midsummer
1: really great movie absolutely
0: another in the 824 uh house exactly um, twenty four
1: getting a lot of love on this episode yeah no surprise <laughs> no surprise at all
0: um so actually moving on uh in my list uh to my number three A movie that I'm actually kind of surprised isn't an A24 production is Booksmart, uh, which was...
1: Oh, man, I forgot about Booksmart. Uh Uh-oh. I am so sad to say that.
0: Uh Uh-oh. Should Dan have maybe put Booksmart onto his list?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I should have. And also, actually, there was uh, one, I'm going to say this now, um, The Farewell is actually transitioning over to... uh, Honorable mentions as well because it oh. was kind of a big one that I okay. for some reason blocked out of my memory, but I absolutely love it. So hmm. I'm I'm actually adjusting this list as we speak. So whoa, <laughs> ever evolving. Okay, Booksmart. Booksmart. Oh man, Booksmart is, smart such is a great the funniest movie. movie of the I year. I love that movie.
0: Booksmart is uh, the uh, first film from Olivia Wilde, who you may know. From She's an actress. I don't really. I couldn't tell you a movie. She was in her. She was in her. I think she's in like, uh, what's the Magic Mike? Maybe I don't know. Probably. Um. But Olivia Wilde's been around for a while, and this is her first. uh, You know, this is a directorial debut, and um, it basically is a coming of age film that follows the story of these two, uh, you know, teenage girls who are about to graduate from high school. Um and they basically just wanna go they're they're like the smartest kids in their class um and they're gonna be valedictorian and you know whatever um and they have never really gone to parties in their whole life, you know they' never did drugs or you know drank a lot or anything, so they make it a point for like the last weekend right before graduation they're gonna go out and they're gonna go to the the biggest party of the year, and the movie is just like. It's basically the female version of Superbad. Like mm-hmm. and as much as Superbad is a classic and so funny, I think Booksmart is nearly just as good and um will become a classic in its own right, you know, uh moving forward. I think that Booksmart is just from top to bottom it's it, it just hits so many notes. It has uh, it has a lot of heart and um it you know really resonates it it's a coming of age film that you'll definitely um you know feel to, you know you'll have strong feelings toward if you know if you went to high school in America and you you know whatever oh, yeah. um it, it's just so relatable and um yeah i, I think Booksmart is super great and everyone Absolutely. should go see it I, I it was like a box office failure i believe so um everyone go support Booksmart. That movie movie's fucking
1: awesome it's it's incredible i don't think like, I, I am sad that it slipped my mind, um, but I don't think it would have really adjusted much of my list. Yeah. And the movie... We're we're in three now, right? Yep.
0: Yeah, you're number the three. The movie
1: that I think because we literally dedicated an entire episode to it, I kind of feel like I just... Do I have to say much more about it? Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> no, it's not Hobbs and Shaw. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Of course. A phenomenal film that, honestly, yeah, like... There's not really much else that needs to be said about it. We if you could listen to the first episode. But yeah, nineteen sixty nine Hollywood, Quentin Tarantino making a movie that's a love letter to cinema of that of that era. I Rick Dalton and Cliff Booth, what a name a more iconic duo. I mean, I, they're incredible. Brad Pitt and DiCaprio absolutely kill it. In that movie. It's it's phenomenal. This is
0: very exciting for me because I don't know if I can even guess what Dan's top two favorite movies of the year are right now. Um, Because he's kind of gone down the whole list of everything that I can think of. (laughs) And I. Oh, well, there's one. And it was maybe one that I talked about. But. um, Yeah. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Very good. Absolutely. Very great movie. Is that all you had? Basically, just go listen to our first episode yeah
1: I mean yeah it's it's like I we said, did we did 30 minutes on it already right we really did um, I mean I'm kind of tired of talking about it but <laughs> I love it and I wholly recommend it obviously it's my third favorite film of the year so left an impact. And yeah. I seem to be doing that with everybody. It's pretty great. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I, mean, I When we walked out of that movie, I did not expect this to be as embraced by people as it has been. I don't know why. I mean, it, it's a Tarantino film, so it's kind of inevitable and right. will be anyway. But for some reason, just I didn't expect a lot of audiences to connect to what he was doing with mm-hmm. this as much as they are. And it, they are. And I'm very happy about that. Yeah.
0: Um, Maybe we'll talk a little bit more about it uh, coming up here. Have a feeling. (laughs) Um, So actually, uh, before we get to that, for my number two film, it's one we already talked about. It's not Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, but it is John Wick Chapter 3. Oh, they going to say
1: Hobbs and Shaw. No,
0: not Hobbs (laughs) and Shaw. Um, God damn it, John Wick. Chapter (laughs) 3.
1: It's I thought this so... was going to be your number one, actually. Yeah, yeah. I,
0: you know, it, it could have gone either way, um, and I'm sure you know what my number one is now, and maybe the whole audience knows what my number one is now. But um, John Wick chapter three is just so, Oh god, those movies. Like, like we said before, and we, you know, we talked about it just a few, a few minutes ago, and that movie, it, it won't get out of my head, and I can't wait for it to come out on Blu-ray so I can buy it and rewatch it over and over again. And I want to do a. A like a marathon of the first three movies, like all in one go. Let's do it. Um those movies are just getting better and better, and um, you know, the inclusion of like Holly Berry in this movie. Absolutely and, great.
1: Um, and her masterfully trained dogs. Oh my
0: god, the dogs are so good. The there's so many memorable action sequences in this movie. The horse the book um and if you've seen the movie you know exactly what i'm talking about the throwing knives in the cabin you know the cabinet of knives scene mm. um man there's just so much the the motorcycle chase this movie is you know they're just getting better and better at making the most insane over-the-top action sequences you know where like something like Hobbs and shaw is you know over the top in in a similar way but like that's reaching into like yeah. superhero territory. John Wick still feels grounded. It does, and it is just so much more like it's it's so well choreographed and everything. It's like nothing you've ever seen before in action movies. Absolutely, it's 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 well, it's a dance film but with action. Right? It is, like,
1: and let's be honest. I mean, if you compare an action scene in Hobbs and Shaw to this, there is no comparison. Sure, yeah. Just even that fight towards the end where he's fighting those two dudes. And they're in that glass room. Oh my god. The look of that scene, the choreography of that scene, the acting even, just like mm-hmm. how it's like this privilege that these dudes are fighting each other and yeah. like they even it's say so like they're awesome. honored to be fighting John Wick. It's like little things like that that just like really set this series apart yeah. from but anything else in John,
0: action John
1: Wick, films right now.
0: Yeah. There, there really is probably no other action series that can even touch it. Maybe The Raid yeah um but otherwise like especially an american film like there is no action series that is even close to as good as john wick john wick might be the best action series in terms of you know uh quality across the whole franchise like it might be the best franchise of action films ever um i would i would go out on a limb to say that um yeah john wick
1: 3 is so so good and shout out to keanu reeves man he's having a year yeah
0: yeah (laughs) keanu reeves is the man um and i can't wait to see more of john wick in the future absolutely um so dan let's uh i don't know i don't want to do a drum roll because that'll mess up everything oh wait no this is your number number two two. yeah we're not man i keep getting confused
1: um, also, side note: It looks like because I'm insanely curious about this, it looks like John Wick 3 is coming out on Blu-ray in September. Okay, So Very soon. Like, Next month, expect probably a John Wick retrospective episode, <laughs> maybe feature. Maybe we'll see what happens. Yeah, we should definitely talk about it. Oh yeah, because I really want to like rewatch all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, number two is one of Michael's biggest disappointments oh, right. of, of course, 2019, yeah. and I'm talking about Jordan Peele's Us. Um I think I might like it more than Get Out, actually. I am on that side of the, the fence. I wow. think that it is
0: taking my glasses off.
1: I think that I think that Us is just significantly more of an artful film and just kind of has more to say than Get Out. Whereas Get Out I kind of feel is just sort of it's it's a very abc just kind of sure. it, it's, it's, it, plain. It, it's 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 like, phenomenal like it, its themes
0: are are you know not super secret or anything right
1: i i love get out but i i respect much more what he was trying mm-hmm. to do with us i think just like the commentary in it on internal struggles and just the violence that anybody is capable of i think is super creative it much like Get Out, kind of plays out like a TVMA Twilight Zone episode <laughs> in the best possible yeah. way, and I really love it. I think the performances in that film are incredible across the board. Have you seen it a second time? I actually haven't. Okay. Maybe it'll change. I just bought it on Blu-ray okay. recently. Yeah, that, that was
0: the thing for me. like, I liked the film you know, a good amount. It wasn't as good as Get Out. I thought it was maybe like a 7 out of 10 when I first saw it. But seeing it the second time, it just it detracted from it even. Okay, you know, I, that's my opinion. Um, I know a lot of people who love this movie, but yeah, for me, uh, us just didn't didn't hit.
1: That's fair. That's fair, and it's good to have. It's good to have differing opinions on that. It's it's what makes for an, an interesting podcast, yeah. an interesting discussion. About we don't film. we don't
0: come you know into different perspective on movies a lot. Yeah. So I'm actually this is actually pretty exciting that that yeah. you love us so much. Whereas it was and my biggest disappointment. Just
1: the entire time just watching it, I was just completely invested in it. Just on the edge of my seat. Just you know, I felt more suspense watching it than I did with Get Out. I just think it, I think it's it's. Uh, even more, just, like, it's more of a mature maturity in Jordan Peele that, like, I'm excited to see where this goes, and I'm excited to see him, if he ever chooses to do more of, like, a thriller-centric film like this, it's, I'm on board 110%. Yeah. And I just, say just all of the symbolism in that movie and just the costume design and everything is just... So good. Like you literally watch the main character, Adelaide. Just like you know, the fact that she gets like more and more covered in blood as the movie goes on, and just what that means later on to the film. It's it's great. I really love it. I I think it's I think it's phenomenal. And yeah, Jordan Peele is a fucking man. He's yeah, he is. absolutely great. I'm
0: still excited for whatever he's got next, for sure.
1: Yeah. What, um, if, what if What if next episode I rewatch it and I'm like, fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hate it. No, I, I kind of doubt it. But I am excited to give it another watch.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's actually one that I want to, you know, at some point I'll buy it, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, just being a, such a huge fan of his. And, and, you know, I do enjoy the movie enough, but um, I don't have as much of a desire to, like, rewatch it immediately just yet.
1: I gotcha. Um,
0: so, down to number
1: one. Number one.
0: All right, well, um, if you've been following along with us this whole time and you haven't heard me talk about this film yet, you probably know what my number one is, but it is Quentin Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, this movie was kind of divisive for me, actually, while I was watching it. You know, we talked about it already 30 minutes on the other on the first episode, and we, we talked about it a little bit more just now, but... Um, Watching it, I was kind of uh, confused as to where it was going. I wasn't, you know, I was invested in it, and it is a very long movie, and it kind of seemed a little, um, I don't know, it, like pointless almost, you know, halfway through. Like it didn't, it didn't seem like there was much of a, a through line. Um, but like, like I said on the the first episode, the the fin- you know the, the conclusion of this movie is so it just it's so stellar um it's also
1: a movie where it's pointlessness is actually one of its strongest characteristics and like some of the best scenes in the movie are because of that i mean the scene where we're uh i'm blanking on his name right now uh leo leo or brad where where rick yeah where rick is talking to that small child when he's on the side of that tv show and Mm confides in this little girl and basically has, like, a breakdown about how upset he is with his career and, like, the state of his life. Like, I love that scene so much. And I
0: was going to say, like, whereas, like, um, you know, Quentin Tarantino has always been a director known for his strong scripts and his his screenplays are always really great. Um, But there's always typically a bombast and, you know, some kind of big uh you know these big action scenes and big moments and everything and once upon a time doesn't really have those until the last like 15 minutes mm-hmm. um but looking back on it and it makes me so sad that people walked out of this movie halfway through i understand you know maybe it's, it, it's not a not, standard tarantino no it's for... not it's probably not a movie for them but i would i would like you know if you go into this movie expecting a tarantino movie like that's not what you're getting like a standard tarantino movie uh, but the script is actually really strong, and he may—it's a really good character drama um, with some some of his best character work of all time, I would say. Um, yeah, I, 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 and I, I think that the ending—it's something you have to see through, because then once you see, you know, where the story's gone, and you've lived with these characters for two hours, like it—it it feels like you've been with these characters for a long, Absolutely. long time. You've known them for a long time. Um, it almost has, like, the feeling of, like, a, a TV series that you've been watching. You know, like, you're really embedded with these characters. And uh, the ending is so strong because of it. And it really wraps the whole movie up uh, in a nice little bow, I think. And, yeah, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, like, a, you know, we said in the first episode, it's not, you know, it's maybe mid-tier Quentin Tarantino for me. Um, maybe even low-tier, uh, but it's still Quentin Tarantino. It's, like, one of those things, like... You know, it's like what I said with Vampire Weekend earlier. Yeah. It's a, you know, a filmmaker I love and no matter what he puts out, I'll see it and I'll probably like it. And once upon a time, I, I had a great time with and I loved it a lot. I really
1: want to see that again. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very much so. And then here we go. Yeah. Dan, what's uh, what's your Um, number one? Honestly, you uh, described it perfectly Mm -hmm. when you talked about it. It was my co-host Michael's fifth choice. Yep. I am talking about the deeply perverse, fucked up, but so much fun knife plus heart. It is just, uh, is honestly, maybe the most fun I've had watching a movie mm-hmm. this year. And the way that we discovered it also is kind of a fond memory for me. We just were seeing, um, we actually went to go see a screening of Audition at Chicago's yes. Music Box Theater. And they played the trailer for this ridiculous it, ass looking movie it that almost, almost didn't seem real that we almost right? saw was yeah like a parody like a grindhouse like trailer of, you exactly know? and that's why i love this movie so much um as you said it's about uh, this murder mystery basically this bizarre like dream-like murder mystery taking place in paris about this porno film director who uh, members of her cast and crew just keep getting off and she's trying to figure out why in the midst of making the greatest porto of all time (laughs) and it's just it's a dreamlike film that is just filled with like so many beautiful beautiful shots cinematography in that movie is great and just it's pulpy grindhouse elements that it has it's just so much fun it's like
0: a cross between like grindhouse with just how um just out there the concept is and how weird and eccentric it is but like it has so much it you know, whoever directed it I, I I don't know off off the top of my head, but um it has so much in debt to uh giallo films from yep. the seventies, uh, you know, Italian uh horror murder mysteries, Absolutely. Uh, like Dario Argento stuff. Exactly. Um yeah, it, it is such a such a good uh, kind of you know 2019 reimagining of a of a 70s uh, Argento film, and it, Absolutely, it really yeah. captures that style and the feel and the the characters and everything. It, it, it's really great. And I think
1: that's why I eat it up so much because it's just like those are all you know styles and eras of film that I really mm-hmm. enjoy and love, and seeing it in a modern lens and just being. It's just it's literally just such a ballsy film like it's it's just so fun and and lots of balls in it and lots of balls that's why i said literally it's like <laughs> it, it doesn't take itself too seriously but at the same time it is very serious yeah. and it's it has a good payoff too it does yeah and like, also uh, like going back to just like how enamored by like the cinematography i was like just the payoff the little scene before the credits is just visually stunning and just amazing mm-hmm. and i yeah. Seek it out. It's, it's kind of a tough one to it's, find. I think it's on Amazon. Not to stream, but you could definitely rent it on right. there. Don't Sleep on Knife Plus Heart. Also, an uh, amazing score from M83 on that Right, film.
0: yeah, I forgot M83 did that. Yeah.
1: It's just furthers the experience of that movie. And, yeah, like I said, this one of the best experiences I think I've had, like, watching a movie this year. And definitely something that's just stuck with me in a, in a way just that it's just like, this is so ridiculous and just incredibly put together. And I just have a lot of admiration for that film.
0: Don't be surprised if I buy this movie on Amazon right now on Blu-ray. How much is it? Uh, it's going for 20 That's not bad. Hey, this, yeah, like you said, I, I do really want to re-watch this movie. Mm-hmm. And it is such a crazy, out-there um you won't see a movie like this this year.
1: Absolutely. It's the, it's just the most unique film I've seen this year. It's it's just on a level of its ambition and what it does. It just really stuck with me. It's, yeah. it's a great film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these films are great. It's a really great... Well, Mike would differ on us, but... <laughs> yeah.
0: Maybe that one. It's good.
1: It's okay. <laughs> but... But yeah. Yeah. Super great
0: lists. I hope everyone enjoyed it. Um,
1: go see these movies. Yeah,
0: please go see these movies, especially some of the smaller ones like Booksmart and Knife Plus Heart and Stuber.
1: Yes. <laughs> go see
0: Stuber. I <laughs> doubt that's in theaters still. It I only know. Came out like, that, like three weeks ago by it, the time we're recording this. But yeah, that it movie came bombed in once so hard so
1: fast, and it's so sad. It's
0: been that's been a lot of movies this year. A lot of movies have just been coming and going so fast. Stuber also didn't have like really a lot of critical acclaim,
1: right? Which is
0: kind of surprising. Like I think that movie is
1: really great for what it is absolutely it's
0: not an amazing film but
1: yeah you go into it knowing what it is right it's no once upon a time in Hollywood it's no crowning achievement it's an Uncle Drew but it's an Uncle Drew and you know what you need an Uncle Drew from time to time definitely so that was our
0: top five movies our top five albums our top five video games of
1: 2019 absolutely we're gonna take a small break I know, it's it's been a long one, guys, but hope you're all enjoying it. We're going to take a small break, head to Q&A, and close out this week's episode. And we are back, everybody. The king-sized annual episode of Infinite Canvas Ultra. Truly Ultra. Thank you for sticking it out with us. But, you know, it's a podcast. Pause it, come back to it. You have a long Check drive somewhere. Going on a right. trip. It's summertime. You're probably taking a road trip. Yeah. Throw us on. Listen to what we have to say. As always, um, you know, we should take this time before we kind of wrap things up to just kind of plug ourselves. You know, plug sure. the show, plug everything, plug ourselves as individuals. You can find me on Instagram at underscore dojo daniel and underscore or on Twitter at dojo daniel. The D's are capitalized. One two six.
0: Uh, yeah, and you can find me on Instagram and Twitter as well uh, at Mike Lane Is Me
1: uh, for both of those so. And then for the show, you can find us at Infinite Canvas Ultra on Instagram. Our email, if you have any questions, comments, and complaints, is that we've given you a lot. (laughs) We normally don't do that. We've been pretty, like, you know, chill guys this whole time, but today (laughs) we've we've got some fighting We've been pulling off
0: the rug on on some genres of music and movies and, yeah,
1: so... Exactly. Email, you can email us at InfiniteCanvasAlt at gmail.com and please let us know what your mid-year lists are. We want to hear it. We could talk about it on the next episode. See if we can get some hot takes on this subject matter, even hotter than our own. And then on Twitter at IcyUltrapod. And we are now in the segment that, you know, the reason why I just brought up all those things. We're at Q&A where we talk to our adoring public, our fans of the show. And our question this week comes from Jose who is asking us, do you have any examples of a coast-to-coast album or movie? I like that expression, by the way, Jose. I've never heard that before. Yeah. Meaning something that you've grown to love more or hate more over time or something that you once deemed to be the best of a particular year, but now you would shift it towards something else. That's an excellent question. Yeah. Might be
0: the best question we've gotten so far.
1: Seriously. Um, I love it. Keep it up, Jose. Give us some more stuff. This is great. Tell us what your favorites of the year are so far. Thumbs up, Jose. Absolutely. But um, yeah, I definitely do. And this is definitely not something where... This falls more on the spectrum of... um, I just kind of grew to like something more from a particular year more than what I initially chose. Um, Somewhere in the ether of the internet, you could find my 2016 Best Albums of the Year list... On that list, I had um, the excellent album, not undercutting in any way, Teens of Denial by Cursed Headrest this is my favorite album of 2016. But um, in retrospect, I would have—I think I'd go with my... I, I don't know the placement of it on that list. I want to say it was three or four. But um, Blonde by Frank Ocean, which is actually an album that if we're taking into account... The entirety of music of the 2010s decade, it probably would be my third choice. Wow, that is how much I adore that album. So obviously, that is my favorite album of that year. That is something that I would define as a classic. Maybe 10 one. Out of 10.
0: Maybe one day we'll get to recount the entirety of all our lists for the top ten of the decade.
1: That's gonna happen. Yeah, I think uh, coming this January, it's gonna be a a project that we should both embark on. Yeah, it'll be a fun month. Absolutely. But um, that's definitely an example of something. And then another thing, this is kind of shifting more towards something that I once loved but now hate, um, would unfortunately be the Batman storyline Hush by Jeff Loeb and uh, Jim Lee. That was a book that, that came out when I first started getting into Batman as a character. hmm And, obviously, as a child, I thought it was fucking awesome, because Jim Lee's art in that thing is stupendous. It's incredible. It's the best work Jim Lee has ever done. Hands down. The coloring by Alex Sinclair on that book... Chef's kiss. It's it's (laughs) phenomenal, but... Don't even waste your time reading that story. It's basically just a bad version of Batman The Long Halloween, but it introduces a cool character. I mean, Hush Hush. Hush is a very cool character, but... If you want a good hush storyline, just read Heart of Hush by Paul Dini from Batman the Animated Series. That is the best iteration of that character ever. It actually would almost serve as like a good introduction to that character as a whole, because like, where is it, that from? It's uh, it was a run from Detective Comics. Oh okay. And uh, that probably came out around like 2008. Um, the story of that is he it, it's 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 kind of a, a sequel to the original. I mean, Hush has appeared in other stories, right. but it, it kind of retconned all of that because honestly, everything else with that character post the original storyline is utter trash. Okay, um, but this is like Hush comes back and he essentially um, holds Catwoman for ransom, but. because this is kinda of getting the spoilery territory, but um essentially performs a procedure where he literally takes Catwoman's heart out of her body and Batman has to <laughs> has to find and somehow try to save Catwoman from death. Huh. From utter death. <laughs> she like literally dies in the story, but you know, things That's happen ridiculous. because of comic book right. logic. But it's all this like very um there's a lot more to it. I'm not going to spoil much in case you haven't read Hush or Heart of Hush, which also it'll catch you up to speed on what Hush's motivation is in case you don't know what his secret identity mm-hmm. and everything is. But so you can go
0: into Heart of Hush without
1: completely cold, Hush. Okay. and it's it's the better. It's way better. It's him and uh, Dustin Nguyen from Ooh, Descender on right. art.
0: Yeah, it's, is he
1: doing like painting
0: work? Or is yeah, it,
1: yeah, it's it's uh, well. Actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think it is just traditional like like, yeah like ink i wish it was the cover arts all of them are actually all in watercolor and very beautiful but um i'll to loan you that yeah it's it's six issues it's great oh we can go over to the room right after this exactly (laughs) go to my 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 layer of comic books and records and all that fun (laughs) stuff yeah phenomenal book paul dini shout out to paul dini that's a great story yeah but yeah that would definitely be an example of something that I just do not look at Hush fondly. It's just... And that's unfortunate. Jeff Loeb has kind of had a dramatic descent in yeah. his career and writing-wise, and it's really it's like, not, Marvel
0: color books haven't been yeah. up to par.
1: And it, it sadly coincides with his son, um, unfortunately, passing from cancer. Oh. There's kind of a direct correlation. You can hmm. honestly see that, like, his sort of... Focus and his work definitely drifted after know. that, and it's very sad because yeah. Jeff Loeb is was well, frankly oh. one of the finest writers in comics. I mean, he's not like Frank Miller level of right. bad in his later output, That's but true. it's just not that great. Yeah, hey, Jeff Loeb has written some of the best comics. Exactly, you know, Batman: Long
0: Halloween and Superman for All so- uh, Seasons. Like exactly,
1: he yeah. he basically he's redefined a lot of characters. Like he is kind of comparable in that frank miller stance that he's like kind of helped reshape batman i mean how like a film like the dark knight pulled so many cues from his long halloween halloween yeah. run that it's unquestionable he's, he's a he's a legend yeah so uh
0: yeah so i have a, a coast to coast i think it's not as uh, um as substantial as maybe dan's feelings on hush where he used to really like it and now he hates it um but um this is actually i had a I had a different answer before we started recording but i i just thought about this one and it's um the film american psycho uh the first time i watched that movie i liked it i guess mm-hmm. um and i watched it you know as a teenager um so it wasn't like i saw it too early or anything i just i don't think i got it it just didn't <laughs> click and I, that movie is like totally you watch it the first time, you probably don't get it. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> I was willing enough to rewatch it, and uh, American Psycho is now one of my favorite movies of the 21st century. Uh, Ooh, I
1: was definitely afraid you were gonna no say no, no, it. No, 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 like, no 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 <laughs> no American
0: Psycho is probably like pinnacle Christian Bale,
1: maybe his best performance. Yeah, uh,
0: that movie is is <laughs> There's a lot to say about the movie, and I won't go all the way in depth into it, but uh, it's it's a movie that you really should watch, and especially over multiple watches, it gets better and better. Mm-hmm. Um, that scene with Jared Leto is, you know, go. it's like down in history, like that's one of the best, most memorable scenes of, of the 21st century, you know?
1: Absolutely. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, Huey Lewis in the News. Um, American Psycho, that's, that's probably my, my coast to coast. Absolutely. You know, I love that movie
1: now. Anything pretty else? lukewarm on it. Anything else you want to touch on? Any other...
0: I, yeah, I guess I'll touch on the other one. I, you
1: brought up a really good one. Right, yeah. We, we were talking... Addressed.
0: um So, actually, the Walking Dead um, television series. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a huge fan. If you know me, you know I'm a huge fan of the Walking Dead comics. And I've always been a fan of... You know, I've been reading them since uh, about 2005 when I was like 9 or 10 years old. Um, and I read them, you know, all the way through, you know, till it just recently finished and, you know, in 2010, when they were releasing the TV show on AMC, like it was like a huge event for me. Like I was so excited and I really enjoyed the show for, you know, what it was for the first season. Um, and just over time that show, you know, it lost Frank Darabont, who was the, you know, the main guy behind the first season And then, you know, some of the creative team behind it just came in and really, well, you know, on top of the the creative team changing and, and, you know, not having as great of writing, um, AMC really liked to uh, extend that show out to Mm -hmm. be... You know, it's it's the biggest show on TV or it was the biggest yeah. show on TV. So, obviously AMC wants to make all the ad revenue Prince they can. Money, basically. Right. I mean, yeah. So, the every season became 13, 16 episode long seasons and if you cut it down to what like really matters, what's really good,
1: mm-hmm. that
0: show could be maybe 6 episodes a season. And I think that's a problem with a lot of TV shows. Um, especially it, a lot of
1: Netflix especially
0: shows. a lot of Netflix which is crazy to me because they're not even making ad money yeah. there's no ads on Netflix so I don't understand why they have to be so long but um, yeah The Walking Dead just I completely stopped after the 7th season I believe might have been the end of the 6th season whichever one and you know began with Negan um, that's when I stopped because I think they just totally blundered the Negan stuff And the show had already become so bad by that point anyways. Um, There have been good parts of that show, and I'm a huge zombie uh, aficionado. You know, Dawn of the Dead is my favorite movie of all time. But, and you know, I love the comic series, and and, yeah, that TV show has just gone down a terrible hole, and I think, you know, a lot of people think the same way. Absolutely. So that's another one, another one of those coast-to-coasts.
1: Absolutely. And if you have any choices for coast-to-coast properties, you know what to do. Send us an old email at infinitecanvasalt at gmail.com. Or get to us at twitter at icultrapod. Do you
0: have uh, any shout-outs for this episode?
1: Uh I'm going to give a shout out to all you lovely people that have been very very supportive yeah. uh, in the last couple of weeks of this little project and all of the just kind words that you've had to say it's really uh really taken me back yeah. like I am like pleasantly surprised that um people have invested time and i've been caring so much about our our little show and it just has me really excited yeah. for the future of everything and i i really appreciate all of you yeah. and, especially uh, if
0: you've stuck out this episode this long and you've oh, gotten to this outro
1: you deserve um, a really deserve thank you medal
0: thank you so much we we actually by the time of recording this episode we just released our first uh, episode earlier this week and you know just in a couple of days we've had so much really positive uh word come in from you know everyone i know everyone dan knows and it is really it, it's a good feeling yeah you know, we we did this before a couple of years back but it was a little
1: we were younger and dumber yeah and not really like... it wasn't
0: it wasn't so great it was really rough um infinite canvas regular
1: <laughs> infinite <laughs> canvas minus <laughs> yeah
0: um yeah, and and I don't really even remember a lot of feedback at all when we did it before. Yeah, you know? It just
1: kind of was out there. Kind and... of just went
0: out and no one said anything, but now we're really giving it our all and yeah, uh, we're really invested in this and and it's really great to hear that that feedback from everybody and I'm really excited for what the future holds. Um yeah, so thank thank you everybody. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's it's amazing. I don't
0: know that I have any more shoutouts cuz we've already shouted out everything from this year. Yeah. But...
1: Shout out out to everybody that... Every creative type and every creator that we've referenced on this show. Tyler, the creator. Thank you. Thank (laughs) you for everything. Thank you for creating such worthwhile, great material that not only just influences us and makes our lives better, but gives us fodder to create a two-hour-long podcast episode. (laughs)
0: Two-hour-plus at this point, I think. This is (laughs) the...
1: As they would used to say in old Marvel comics in the seventies, this is the king size annual it's episode. The giant size. The giant sized episode. We should just name this episode giant size <laughs>
0: <in New laughs> campus Ultra. Yes, that's actually a good idea. <laughs> yeah. I think we might do that.
1: This is also gonna have a long title too because we have to have the mid year. Mid year. Yeah. But that'll be the subtitle maybe. Yeah. And then also just want to shout out um, uh, a buddy of mine, Matt, at the No Purpose Podcast. Uh, he's been telling me that he's been kind of like. Hasn't been recording as much, and hey, I'm shouting you out on a podcast that's on Spotify. This is
0: kind of like the, um, <laughs> is this like the ice bucket challenge of podcasts yeah. where like we have to shout someone else out? And now the bulbs yeah. and you are coach.
1: and apparently he wants to have us on in the future. Awesome. And also at the time that this is going to go up, uh, Michael and I are going to be on the six one six entertainment podcast. Coming, that episode will be a week old now at this point, so. Mm-hmm. Uh give that a listen. Go look up 616 Entertainment. Look up their podcast. You can find it on YouTube and Apple. Um, and I'm sure other places, but those are the nice. first two that yeah. come to mind that I, I know that they're at. Can uh, you find
0: it on Spotify?
1: No, unfortunately. Uh, but um He has to
0: get on our level two. Balls exactly. in
1: court, too. Exactly. It's gonna be the crossover event of the summer. <laughs> and uh we're definitely gonna have those guys. So by Ian Sher and the <laughs> The artist formerly known as Mike Charles. Michael doesn't know them, but yes, that's his title. That's what he refers <laughs> to himself right. as. And yeah, look out for that episode. It's going to be very funny, I assure oh, yeah. you. They're funny dudes. And yeah, look out for that episode. I'm Find us. You can, yeah, spreading our wings and getting the Infinite Canvas Ultra name out there to even more platforms. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, well, I, I've talked enough.
0: Yeah, my voice. I should stop
1: yep. at this point. <laughs> this is good. Yeah.
0: Thank you, everybody. Thank you for listening. Um,
1: Tune in next week.
0: Yeah. We uh, actually we got some. For what we have planned for next week, it's going to be a good one it's as gonna well. It's going to be a good one. Hopefully a shorter one. Hopefully not a giant sized. But uh... Yeah.
1: I mean, I don't know. We, we'll probably have about two hours of worth of material <laughs> to talk about what we're going to talk uh. about.
0: Either that or it's going to be like a minute and just be like straight to the point, but you'll get the, there.
1: The only spoiler I'm going to give is the headliner to the episode is an album review. Okay. And uh, think about, think about what album has come out, listeners, in the last couple of weeks that could garner a lot of, a lot of negative things to say. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, one of the biggest albums of the of the summer for sure
1: but um, uh we'll be talking about the old turd (laughs) (laughs) yeah so thank you everybody we love you guys you have a good one peace this episode of infinite canvas ultra is dedicated to the memory of david Berman, musician singer and poet